This is Colin Baker speaking, the sixth doctor, but you, you are the lucky ones because you are travelling the vortex. as he travels the vortex and then episode number 180 and never saw anyone love himself so much for less reason i'm keith i'm sean i'm glenn how are you guys uh, ask me when we're done reviewing the twin dilemma <laughs> <laughs> we're in quite the dilemma uh, <laughs> i'm exhausted guys i did a lot of yard work today so uh, hopefully we can keep the energy up but i apologize if we get really boring and stoic <laughs> okay hold still <laughs> well, thank you you awake now it's <laughs> yeah. like i have this huge palm print on the side of my face are you saying i have big hands yes yes i am <laughs> Okay. So what else you do besides law, uh, yard work? I, you know, <laughs> we didn't really do anything. What I, a, I feel what like an a, interview question. I feel like <laughs> what a way to make this sound interesting. <laughs> what else did you do besides yard work? I, I I I find myself being really boring now because I haven't done anything. Um, oh, you finished a book? How was that? Book? I did finish. I finished Maze Runner. And you guys haven't read it yet, right? No, I've, okay. seen, I've seen the trailer several times, and I'm and really intrigued. I actually, after I was done, Holly, Holly. She wants to read it, but she's just started summer school, and so now she doesn't think she'll have the time. So going think, or teaching? Go, uh, going to going. summer school. Yeah, yeah. She's she she's still well. She's still on her on the path to get her RN. So oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. She's an LPN now. She's uh, working for her RN. She's further ahead than I am. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. She she has a degree. She's just got to get another one now. Um. Anyway, so I I reached out to Chrissy actually um, because. I enjoyed the book. I really enjoyed it. And I thought it was a really good setup to what is obviously an overarching series, mm-hmm. saga. But I was, I'm was i curious to find a uh, female opinion about the book because it's it's very, very it's, – it's got a lot of male themes in it, rightfully so because of how it's set up. But I was interesting to find out because they do introduce the female character, but she seems very just – non-poignant right now like there's no point for her now mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. i'm hoping that later on they will but i i just wanted to see how somebody else if they came across somebody else's i don't want to say it's chauvinistic or 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 sexist sexist or anything like that but it just it really just reading it i felt a little like because a lot of times when you read a book i mean it's it's this is post-apocalyptic this is one of those young uh, uh reader books that is you know uh in the vein of Hunger Games and Divergent and all of those different things. You know, that's kind of the popular thing to do now. Um, but it, I, I felt kind of just strange about the idea that there was very little to do with any female characters in this. And so I'm just kind of curious as to how somebody else that has read the book, um, if they feel the same way or if it was just me. And coming from a male perspective, I just think it's kind of weird yeah. that I felt that way as I read it. So, hmm, cool. uh, but I, I, I quite enjoyed it. it. There was something to it, and um, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, I'm excited to read the rest of the series, but it's one of those things where I kind of rushed to read this one because the movie comes out in September, and it's it one of those. Late? Yeah, I believe so. September nineteenth, I think. 
And it was one of those things that I just I wanted to get it out of the way before the movie came around, and so I could watch it. So the other ones are on my to read list, but it, I'm, good, I'm gonna, gonna yeah, it'll time. be down the down the road a ways. Because um, it doesn't do well, man. I even do yeah. sequels. <laughs> and I did just start Touched by an Angel uh, because that's what we're reading for this month's uh, Traveling the Vortex book club. That's not the name. Touched. Oh, excuse me. Touched by an Angel. There you go. <laughs> And uh, so I just started that. I'm about three chapters into it, and it's quite interesting. So, um, but I'm, I'm avoiding the uh, discussion thread because I'm afraid <laughs> people are going to get ahead of me, and I don't want to spoil anything. So, um, I'll chime in there as I get get going. Um, that you know, I, I, I did finish. Um, <clears throat> this is getting ahead of us because this isn't on the schedule. I think until next week. But now I have finished. Uh, Memory Lane, which oh, is yeah. the the second Palma game we'll be re, re, uh, reviewing next week. So I now have read Something okay. Inside and Memory Lane. I believe those yeah. are the two yeah, we're doing. Yes, those are the two we're doing. Um, so, so I finished your, that. Your homework is done. I for finished next week. that week this week, and uh, I won't tip my hand on what I thought of those. Um, but they are Palma again. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. So, so I you, did I watch did you do that on mowing? I did. Yeah, yeah. how did you know that? You, you said you normally do. Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess I just... Okay, you, Sherlock Holmes here put the pieces together. I said earlier that I did a bunch of yard work. We and on top I said of that roof. I listened to... Well, that's why it's... Surveillance work. Did the... Uh, I drove by your house tonight. Did, did Google Maps fly over my house recently? You have a writing, right? A writing mower? Good yeah. God, no. I, I wish you had, I, did. I had, I had oh, one of the mini rocks. Okay, I so I mowed my mom's lawn yesterday. Yeah. I don't know how you can do that and listen to audio. I can barely hear my... Hear the... Uh, Audio play. Oh, I had board. to stop it and listen to. Uh, Mowers real quiet. Apparently, my apparently my mom's is really loud. Then. You know what you can do, which I've done from time to time because I have a chainsaw. You put the earmuffs over. And oh yeah, so I, don't so I don't have to normally, but sometimes I'll do that just because I'm putting a lot. Of I, I, I just had to anyway. switch to music that I knew well enough that I wouldn't uh, have to hear every uh, single. Yeah, word. no, it's, I love it because it passes the time. Usually, I'm done mowing in no time. My mower's quiet now too because I told you guys that I. Uh, uh, serviced it myself, and it's purring like a brand new mower now. And Maybe it's not even near as loud. I need to work and, yeah. on hers because so, yeah. Um, I don't watch anything. I did. I don't know if I can talk about this. Um, well, I think I can because people know that we work in the business. We work in TV, and we are fortunate enough to get what are called screeners um, for pilot episodes from next season that are coming. Ooh. And so I did get a chance to look at the flash, the pilot episode <gasps> of the flash. And, 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 and uh, it, uh, I'm a huge fan of the arrow series on CW as well. And they, obviously they used that as a backdoor pilot to launch the series. And then of course they did their own pilot for it as well. Um, but I really like arrow, but it's a very different style, which it needs to be because of, of the material. But it's quite enjoyable. It really feels like a comic book movie. And you can tell they're setting up a an arc, as they have done in... Do you think they can keep the scale up throughout the season? See, I, I hope so. Because that's what I'm most afraid of, is that if it gets... I don't want to say that the show's silly, but it's a lot lighter. It's not as dark and heavy as Arrow. And if they can, if they... they they start that light and then do some of the light, fun episodes that, that they obviously did in the original Flash series. I and mean, there are some that are, you know, lighter than others. Lighter than others. The trickster if comes they to do mind. That, yeah. If they do that, it might – those might seem really kind of corny. But um, overall, the setup's been great. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that next season. I cool. think that'll be hmm. quite enjoyable. How, how, as, as somebody who has not watched any Arrow, it's kind of on the burner, but I don't know when I'll get to it. 
uh, is Flash something I can jump into immediately without the I believe setup? so. Okay. In fact, um, the cool thing, and I'll, I'll, I, this has been on the internet, but I will fly the spoiler flag quickly. Um, oh, I thought you were going to really do no. it. <laughs> <laughs> Once per show. Uh, Oliver Queen does show up briefly in oh, the pilot. It's in the trailer. Yeah, yeah. but you, you don't have to have known anything well, that's flash. like Picard showing up at the beginning yeah, of Deep Space Nine. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, this yeah, this <laughs> this trailer or this trailer, this pilot gives you everything you need to know about Barry. So it, you you can jump on board right away and not have to have had and, any and of that. Is, setup and is John that Wesley ship in the pilot? He is. Oh. <laughs> and I, I'm not going to divulge who he's playing, although that's been on the internet as well. But I'm not going to divulge. Yet, I'm but... not going to divulge who he's playing. But yeah, yeah, he is in it. He's in it. Does he still look good? I haven't seen him. He looks old, but see, I've seen pictures of him recently on the internet. He doesn't look as old as they made him look in this. Oh, really? Yeah. So, he's, so they aged him a little bit. I think they have aged him a bit. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. That's it. I didn't watch anything else. Kids have been watching Minecraft videos. Kate, uh, I went out and got Mason a charger for our... Because our, our old battery charger went out, so we're down to one controller. So I went out this weekend, and I got him a charger. Part of it is a setup for this week, because on Wednesday, hopefully, he's getting his tonsils out. I say hopefully, because he ended up with strep again on Friday. Oh, no. Um, yeah. But uh, hopefully, he's getting his tonsils out on Wednesday. So I've made him a few concession promises. One was to get him access to another controller so that he and Caitlin and I can play at the same time. Yeah. Uh, another thing was uh, I'm going to buy him a couple of video games that he's been really wanting on there to play because the kid's going to be in, on bed rest for oh, yeah. at least five days. And so I wanted to make sure that he doesn't get bored and he has some things to do. So, What's on his list? Uh, Comic Jumper uh, came out two years ago. It's by the same guys that did Explosion Man. Oh, I remember seeing uh, You go from comic to... It's, it, <laughs> the setup's really cool. It's Captain Smiley, I think is the character's name, and he's got a star that's just called Star on his chest. And he's kind of his sidekick. But um, you go through the first part of the adventure, because we've played the demo. You go through the first part of the adventure, and you find out after he thwarts his uh, nemesis named Brad... And his Bradbots, which are these female robots that are just like, you know, oh, they're very valley girl, but they're like very menacing as far as they're, I mean, they're de- deadly. Uh, at the end, you find out that the comic's been canceled. <laughs> and so in order to um, basically raise his appeal, he has to, they've created this system so that he can jump from comic book story to comic book story. So there's different styles of comic books that he goes through. So each different level of the game is a different style of comic. That sounds awesome. It, it's it, it's really intriguing the concept. I mean, you can't play past that first in the demo, but uh, we're we're pretty excited to I mean, finally unlock that, play that. <clears throat> he plays the demo all the time, and he <laughs> just it's just that one segment, and he plays it over and over and over again. So there's that one. I, I promised him we'd download a few more skins for his Minecraft characters because he loves that. We got him Spider-Man a couple weeks ago and he really thoroughly enjoyed that night once the Marvel superheroes, the Avengers pack. <laughs> of course. And that's it. I didn't do anything else this week. If I think come up with something, I'll, <laughs> I'll mention it. Keith? Uh, I started doing the ABCs of TV shows. Jumped on a little late for that. That's been fun and so far. You just added one. I just added one. Uh... Joined in for Sleeping Beauty with Disney with Friends. Which yeah, I apologize for really, which was enjoyable. I've had late nights at work this week because of the severe weather on Tuesday. On Wednesday was the uh, uh, that was Stanley hockey. Cup. 
on uh, Thursday was uh, the NBA playoffs have begun, and so I've, it's been some late nights. Our news has gone on late. Sorry, go ahead. I need a <laughs> Didn't go on late for me, so I got to go No, home. you get out of there right before all the chaos. You got out of there before the chaos on Tuesday. Yeah. In fact, that all hit right in the middle of my show. So I did half a show, and then we went full wall-to-wall coverage for the tornadoes in the northern half Nearly of Nearly a whole hour area. after I had left. Yeah, it really was. A little more than an hour, I think. Well, no, you um, leave at 9.30. Yeah. You start at 10. Oh, you leave at yeah. 9.35. So. Feeding the dragon. That feeds it for us. <laughs> you don't have to do anything. I, I just had to sit there and call emergency management in all those different counties. We got a few people on the phone to do some phone phoners so that they could kind of relate what was going on out there. Anyway, I'm, I'm glad still, I missed I'm it. Still stealing away from. Uh, I'm. I, I don't. I didn't remember Sleeping Beauty as well as I thought I did. I must have been really young and last time I saw it because. A lot of it was so new to me. It was okay. No, you're wrong. <laughs> Technically, it's a great film. Story-wise, it's kind of weak. No. And so I... Weird. If you saw Maleficent and liked it, great. But now I have no desire to see it. Really? She's evil. Her name means evil. What, what, what else do you need? I don't need anything else from her. Certainly not a weak backstory that I don't need her teeth. to be spurned by a man to be evil. Yeah, I've heard the majority of it is weak too. All, there's a lot every, of every single review narration. that I've gotten from people have said it's beautiful to look at, and Angelina Jolie does a great job. Yeah, it's, it's exactly and the plot sucks. That's yeah. what I've heard. And that article that I read, that if you read it on my Facebook page that I shared it, is I read that. And I knew there were spoilers in it, and I really tried to stop reading it. But the more I read, the angrier I got. Uh And it was just like, I am going to hate watch this movie on Netflix, and I'm not going to pay to see it because I'm so disinterested now. Uh, You know, I'm I'm still avoiding spoilers because Caitlin wants to see it so badly that I think I'll take her point. Well, Mel was the same way, and I kind of told her a little bit about what was, you know, I didn't spoil anything for her, but I told her about it. I said, I don't want to ruin it for you because I know that you're really keen to go see it. And she says, well, how about if we go see it at the Dollar Theater instead? And I was like, okay, that's an okay trade-off for me. So I'd maybe pay a dollar or two dollars now to yeah. see what they did. Uh, other than that, been watching... When I plan on getting there and going... I've <laughs> <laughs> uh, been watching a lot of West Wing, finally into the final season. And playing a lot of Tomb Raider. I'm at least 60% done now. Just the... Newest, yeah, the newest yeah, okay. Tomb Raider, the kind of reboot, and it's the phenomenal. one he told us that's about. That's what she said last week. <laughs> yeah. And it's phenomenal. I mean, the, the fact that I've gotten Still so here. far in the game since I just started it, what a week or two ago, and that's I'm, a testament to how much yeah, you're enjoying. I'm picking the story is solid, the gameplay is great, the uh, combat mechanics are really. Didn't fluid. it win Game of the Year the year that it came out? I think it did. Well, either that or it. it, it, it it depends on who you go with. Every, Didn't they every like, site has different yeah, games. Is, of the isn't year. there like ten different Game of the Year editions that come out each year? Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Games. How were you the Game of the Year when this guy was the Game of the Year? Because uh, Last of Us was also Game of the Year that year. So it kind of depends on who, since Tomb Raider is cross-platform. Uh, Last of Us was only PS3. You realize that we can just pick a game, call it Game of the Year on this podcast, <laughs> and it's and it will get a Game of the Year edition. <laughs> I don't know about if we'll go that far. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, how they do it. that's how they do it. That's how they do it. 
They look. They, in fact, they're they're scouring the internet as we you know as we How speak. We going, we need to, we need to do a game of the year. What somebody, if, surely somebody said we were game of the year. Trailing the Vortex said we're game of the year. Game of the year. <laughs> Make more money. I, it, 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 Sean Edwards, Fox TV, RoboCop three, the best RoboCop yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's where that came from. Kansas City reviewer. He's on the box. Is that right? Oh yeah. <laughs> I can see what if it did win though. It definitely deserves it, and actually is kind of. What I wished Last of Us was more like, because Last of Us it's very it's very atmospheric, it's very neat, but the gameplay is very much stealth, and you're scrimping by to get supplies, which you kind of are in Tomb Raider too, but the enemies are so much harder to kill. Like there are certain ones where they see you and they attack you, you're dead. You don't have a choice, so you have to really be stealthy and sneak around and try to kill every all these things. I'm not good at stealth. Yeah, that's the problem. I'm not either. I, I t- I'm fine in like Tomb Raider where I initially get the upper hand of maybe a couple headshots and then everyone's aware of me and then I have to fight them. It's not I not picking every single one off stealthily before anybody else sees me so I die. Yeah, that's right. where I got into trouble with Last of Us. So Tomb Raider is not like that. So it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and really, the bow and arrow work is really well done. I'm, it's some of the best bow and arrow I've seen in a video game, I think. Hmm. Granted, I haven't seen a lot. <laughs> there was something else. So I, then it is the best you've no, seen. Well, no. Last <laughs> Link's of us Crossbow had, Adventure, Game of the Year. <laughs> last of Us had some bow and arrow work, too. So and compared to previous bow and arrow work from other Tomb Raider games. If you like that, you should play Minecraft. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't think the story's there. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think the story's there for me. You make your own story. Uh, you are the story. Uh... That was a stretch. <laughs> He's right. There's bow and arrow in it. Mm. You know, if you can get infinity arrows, you're, you're golden. You can beat that Ender Dragon. <laughs> I've been playing Tomb Raider so much that I was kind of scrambling to get to Friday Night Who in time. Oh, Because <laughs> it's always kind of like, oh, I can go and do it. And then I, of course, boot up the laptop and pull up maps so I can find all the collectibles as I go through <laughs> it. And then, oh, well, I can just do this one little area. And then, oh, 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 crap, I got to go. <laughs> Normally I'm there like quarter till. This was like eight till. You were almost tardy. <laughs> we were kind of thinking, well, Keith is not going to show up this week. <laughs> and then he came in the door. And I was like, oh, well, Keith. it helped that I uh, I normally go and get a snack before Friday night, who, and then go over. I snacked at home this time to save money. So <laughs> and time, and time. So I think you did so more gameplay. Uh, and then we went and saw Fault in Our Stars uh, yesterday. It was good. I, I I have. I'm glad to hear that because I think I'm gonna get dragged to it. It's, it was uh, I, okay. I went into this fairly fresh. I have not. I don't think I've even seen a trailer for it beforehand. I'd seen. I don't either. I'd, I either. I'd seen clips of from new in theaters. The package I run on Fridays and uh, the behind the scenes package story that Fox offered because they always offer packages of previews of all the new movies. You're ahead of where I am. So I ran that one on Thursday, you know on, on Wednesday. I've seen that point. I've you know a lot more about poster. it you've seen the movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I saw the, the book sitting on Holly's bedside table months ago. <laughs> I knew the premise, which is... Strangely, I know that, too. I don't, I don't know why. Well, I don't know the premise. The premise is two kids meeting cancer support and fall in love. Oh, I remember. Yeah, see, everybody. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why we know this, but we know this. about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, especially if you see any still <laughs> images, you either. see her with the oxygen <laughs> tube. I, I mean, that's that. a big part of the movie, so it's kind of obviously somebody's not well in this. 
<laughs> oxygen, oxygen tube. It's kind of obvious, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, Willem Dafoe is in it and did a really good job. Um, the guy who plays Gus, the main guy, really did a really good job. Uh, Shane Woodley was okay. Um, Laura Dern was phenomenal in it. I love Laura Dern. Uh, Sam Trammell, while he did not have as big of a role as I would have liked to see, did a really good job in it. He plays the dad. Yeah, and it was really good. Sarah was had read the book uh, and just finished it a couple weeks ago. Or not even probably a couple weeks, a week or so ago. And loved it. And thought the movie did the book justice. And you kind of have an idea how it's going to end when you go into this sort of movie. <laughs> and I wasn't surprised. Yeah. yeah. It did uh, elicit a few t- tears. Spoilers, the boat sinks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's a movie you go into expecting to cry. Unless you're completely heartless. <laughs> That's why I might not. <laughs> I, I, I didn't really... I normally go into these movies going, oh, okay, most people are going to cry. I usually don't. But it actually did pull a couple of tears out of me. It wasn't time of the doctor tears. It was more like in the time well, tears. Well, your your doctor wasn't <laughs> retiring in this either. So. No, it's true. But, but there were, it, it was... It, was more than in the time tiers. Huh. So, that was something. And then we went to uh, German Fest today with my dad. We didn't, we didn't make it. It was okay. I mean, this is the first year we'd gone. The line for food was ridiculous. Yeah, so it's, we didn't, it's always, always we, long. We, none of us are really big on uh, sauerkraut or cabbage. So, we didn't even bother getting food. We just kind of walked around, oh, looked at what they had, and the, they kind of left. The food's so good. That's uh, what I go yes. for. I live for the food. Yeah. If the line wasn't yes, ridiculously long... Yeah. We would probably would have. Dad uh, put a raffle ticket in for that. Uh, there was a 1930 Ford that's been refurbished, uh, and he put yeah. a raffle ticket in. Oh, cool. <laughs> we well, kept luck we kept circling back to that like five times as he <laughs> kind of drooled over it. How much is the raffle ticket? Ten. Ten. Yeah. Yeah, and then that was uh, that was pretty much it. So what did you do? Oh, I did go to disc golf. Yeah, I, I saw your before. Yeah. Was that at Rice? Yeah. yeah, that was at Rice. My first. My first of the year is always at Rice and always by myself. <laughs> because had he's, you, afraid, he's afraid he's so rusty that oh, I was actually no, going to beat him. I was so rusty. <laughs> I te- The first hole, I teed yeah, off. Your rusty plays like my normal does. So. I, my, my, my first tee off, uh, eight discs before oh I got a decent one straight. Oh, my. Wow. It went, pew, pew, and then pew, Wait. pew. And how many? Okay, you, you know how rice is. It's got. You got to do seven pews. Pew 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 pew. pew. Well, now you've done too many pews. <laughs> <laughs> you know how rice is. You got that long line. You no, the... I haven't played it because nobody will take me. Man. Oh, well, next time we go play, we'll go play right. there. The rice is set up. It's got this big. Well, you know how rice is. I know it's, how rice is. It's got this nice long drag for the first hole, and there's your basket ahead. There's playground over on the left side, and over on the right side, there's a big swatch of tall grass. Well, I know where I'll be. <laughs> Second disc, the first one went left to the playground. The f- second one went right over the tall. Oh, gosh. I think it almost went into the woods, oh, and that's wow. like a whole another hole over. Oh, it was really bad. Boy, you hooked that bad. Yeah. <laughs> hooks are to the right, right? Slice. Slice. You slice. No, hooks, no, hooks are right. I'm right. Yeah. Slice hooks is are right. Slice is you right. hooked that bad. And, and, and even the one that <laughs> I ended up getting down. Look at me, I sound like a down, sports analyst. <laughs> even uh, the one I ended up getting down a decent wasn't a very good throw. I, I got better as it went, but 
I it's normal part is three. I think I ended up with my practice scoring, which is take the best, throw multiple discs, take the best. Right. Uh, ended one or eight over par. Oh. So if you parred at four, I was one under, which is pretty good for <laughs> first time out. Um, now, if you had actually counted every single throw, it would have been like 27 over. <laughs> it was per, really bad. Per hole. Yeah. And then I went and I did that, and then I went in mode, so I was I'm oh, sore you, today. Um, what are you doing tomorrow? Doing in the morning, uh, before work. I got kids. Summer. Oh, yeah. Got the kids. I'll bring them along. <laughs> Caitlin would be fine with that, because she'd play, but I don't know if Mason would. Oh, he's sick. He'd be, yeah. He'd be pooped out by the time we got done, so. Yeah. That's only a nine holer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, yeah. All right. It's kind of a you, you. You let us know when you're available, and we'll go. I'm past my first one, so I will. Uh, I think I should be pretty good. It's, so it's, you were smart starting it right. I didn't even think about I, that. I, we just, I, that's where we I always, charged right over to Big Shunga and went, yay! Three hours later, <laughs> like, big man. Well, I love see, that course so much, but it's I, so big. You can do rice in 30 minutes, too, which was. Yeah. I was kind of in a time crunch, anyways. Just trying to get everything done in a day because I also went grocery shopping all before Sarah got off work, mowing and then laundry too. So, see, you're a really good boyfriend because Mel comes home from work and says, "Did you get this, 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 and this done?" I said, "No." <laughs> I played video game. <laughs> <laughs> well, she does. I thought about doing the laundry and getting the dishes unloaded from the washer, but she she used to do always do the laundry, and then she started back to school. And so it just became, she was doing homework on her days off, yeah. on her Tuesday off. So she didn't do laundry anymore. So I took it over, and now she's not in class for the summer. So she's kind of she kind of takes it, is taking it back, except we had quite the pile up. So. Yeah, so I'm sore today. What'd you do, Sean? Um, I watched three movies. Did you Ooh. watch? Uh, finally watched Safety Not Guaranteed. How was it? It's oh been my in my queue for God. so long. I loved it. It was so good. What is it? It's the one where oh, they it's, oh. they see the ad in the paper for um, a man looking or a person looking for a companion to travel in time with them. Must bring your own weapons. Safety not guaranteed. I've only done this once before. It, it was. It's based on a real classified ad. The thing actually existed. So this uh, magazine. Very snarky fashion kind of magazines. Like, I think we should go and investigate this. It sounds like a lark. I think it'd be a lot of fun. So they send this guy and a couple of interns up to this place, and I don't know where it was at, Oregon or somewhere, to do some investigating and you know find out if this guy's on the level or not. And one of the interns kind of um, winds up falling for him. And it's a very quiet, unassuming movie that you're really not quite sure where they're going with it. Um. But it just you 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 just gotta have the patience to let it play out, and you know then she finds out well maybe he's nuts maybe he is crazy because there's some pretty horrible things out there. But then he keeps talking about being followed, and you know they're like no no yeah well sure whatever right that, and then men in suits show up, and you're like whoa he's actually being followed. <laughs> and it's not until you get to the very very end of the movie that they reveal whether there is or is not a time machine. Mm-hmm. And it was it was an, and Mel and I just we both loved it. It was just I've a been, really good movie. Now here I, I've always heard that it was good, and I remember seeing trailers when it came out in theaters and thinking, "Ooh, that looks really good," but haven't got around to watch it. It's just it's one of those movies that it, I it's one of those movies that you want to like just because it's not something that Hollywood threw a gajillion dollars at. Well, and it's got you some know? decent names now. Yeah. Uh, Aubrey Plaza is the lead. 
and Jake Johnson, who's since the movie has gotten quasi famous for New Girl. Yes, he's on that. And the director just got tapped to direct something. Jurassic World. That's what he's doing. I couldn't think of the name of it. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, we we really 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 liked it. I think that's gonna go high on my to watch list now. Um, and then uh, we went to uh, the cheap theater uh, with Katrina and went and saw the Lego movie this weekend. What did you think? I kind of totally agree with where you were coming from. It's fun. It's cute. It's got a lot of great jokes in it. And there's a lot of good laughs. And I loved the kind of uh, hitch between the eyes nostalgia factor where they do that Matrix bit with, you know, where she can see the parts that she needs to make something. Mm -hmm. And they've got the actual Lego ID number kind of floating off to the side. Cause if you've ever picked up an yeah. instruction manual, you know, they, nice they've touch. all got individual numbers and everything. And I just, I thought that was kind of cool. The geek builder and me is going, I get that one. Um, but it didn't have the same heart that Wreck-It Ralph did. Whereas Wreck-It Ralph, you really felt so immersed in that video game world and it was all nostalgic and it was all wonderful and it was all just, yes, this is exactly what this should be like. I think Lego almost felt like it was trying too hard to elicit that Maybe same kind of response. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's they're trying too hard. It was still good. It was still an enjoyable movie and um, um, a lot of surprise cameos. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the best ever is when I didn't catch it in all the trailers when Morgan Freeman's droning on about introducing all the other master builders and he says 1980-something space guy who runs around and if anybody remembers the 1980-something astronaut from the Lego sets, every single one of you had him with a little crack in the middle of his helmet here because the little piece broke that went over his... Yeah, he's got a crack in the middle of his helmet. <laughs> that one doesn't quite come together anymore. And I was like, I got that one too. Um, so that was that was, that was was cool. Katrina didn't... Uh, she didn't have a Frozen moment. Frozen she zoned in on and was there. This one she kind of was like, mm-hmm, eh, mm, and just kind yeah. of wandered around the seats a little bit. and So it didn't capture her interest quite as well. But... Mm. Uh, but it was good. It was enjoyable. And then um, snuck out, because we get pre-street rentals, kind of like you get your, your screener copies. We get ones before they actually release. This Tuesday of this week, whenever this show comes out, um, releases uh, Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. And so we got to take that one home and watch it over the weekend. And I was, when I saw the trailer for that one, I was like kind of um, cautiously optimistic, because I love the Tom Clancy books. I love the Jack Ryan movies. And for October, Patriot Games, Clear and Present Danger, to a lesser extent, some of my fears. I'm just, okay, yeah, it's time. I'm ready for another Jack Ryan film. And I saw the trailer for it, and I was like, okay, maybe this will be good. You know, it's not that the trailer made it look bad. It's just that I wasn't quite sure where they were going to go with it. And I thought, well, if they're really smart about this, they'll do Jack Ryan Jr., and kind of continue the adventure because that's in the, in the books he has a kid. And it was like, that would be perfect as if mm. you could kind of allude to the fact that all this other stuff actually still happened to the old man. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, this is going, well, it's not, it is a reboot reboot. Let's bring everything up to date and set it in present day. But that was weird. <laughs> um, they did a phenomenal job with this. Kenneth Branagh directed it. He's also mm. the bad guy. Uh, Chris Pine was great. Kira Knightley. Um, oh, I didn't even know she was there. I didn't either. After, after watching the movie, it wasn't until her name showed up in the credits, I went, holy crap, that's who that is? Oh, I mean, he she, didn't even recognize yeah, her? Yeah. I mean, she was great. Um, everybody was really... Is that why you didn't recognize her? Because she was good? <laughs> oh, is that what you're saying? That's, that's mean. <laughs> is that what you're saying? Oh. No, just different. Okay. Um, everybody was really good. And 
I didn't quite realize it. I, I had this very unsettled feeling through the whole thing. I couldn't quite put my finger on what it was. And then I realized that Mel is all like balled up like this on the couch on me. <laughs> and that's when I realized I was literally on the edge of my seat. <laughs> wow. On the couch watching this thing. And it's like, it's been a long time since I had a movie that engrossed me to that yeah, level as yeah. a spy thriller. Um, and it was really good. Uh, they they did a heck of a job with it. And I, I, I unfortunately didn't perform, I don't think, too well at the box office. Mm-hmm. But I, I hope they continue and do more with this particular group of, you know, yeah. people and, and, and let it have some likes. Because we need more Jack Ryan in the world. I mean, it doesn't obviously have the same humor as a Bond film or, or right. some of the other ones. It's a little more of a straight-laced thriller. But I think that in a way that works in its favor. Because while I love the Bond films for what they are... And I love like the Mission Impossible movies where they are. There are no gadgets in this. It's all very. This is what we've right, got, right. and the fact that you could still pull off this kind of movie with that was just wow. Yeah. I mean, I can't say that enough. It was a very well done thriller. When you buy it on Tuesday, I'm going to borrow it from you. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, that was. That was I still haven't seen some of the fears. So. Mm, Affleck. <laughs> He's okay. He's just not Jack Ryan. Yeah. It's an okay story. They, they changed the story in that one quite a bit from the book. But I haven't read any of the book, so I wouldn't know. <clears throat> cool. Anything else? No, that was pretty much it. Let's move on to news. News. Not a lot of it this week. Not a lot. The first 12th Doctor novels, have been, uh, information has been come out about them. Uh, they're due out in September of this year. The first one is Silhouette by Justin Richards. Yay! Features Vastra, Strax, and Jenny. Yay! And it looks like a murder investigation that uh, goes through. I'm not going to read the synopses because they're kind of lengthy. The second one is The Blood Cell by James Goss. And the third is The Crawling Terror by Mike Tucker. So most of the two of these are new names to me. Yeah, I don't recognize those at all. It uh, looks like the Crawling Terror features a giant insect. Oh, great. Anthropomorphized. Being attacked by mosquitoes. Alien. Maybe they're bringing the wearing back. I'd be all right with that. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be neat. Be our third go-around, right? Because we had them in the uh, Prisoners of Time. No, those were the Zarbi. Oh, it was the Zarbi. Oh, it was the Zarbi. Yeah. They're in a big finish or two. Are they? Hmm. If I remember correctly, and the we uh, haven't got to him yet. And then the blood cell looks obviously. like it fe- is about a uh, prisoner escaping or trying to. Oh, I get it. So, yeah, <laughs> cells are bad. And then My uncle had to starts. spend six years in a cell. <laughs> so, if you go Google search Twelfth Doctor stories, I'm sure there the information is out there. Uh, it's kind of right. neat that they're bringing. Uh, Wake up, Glenn. <laughs> Master Ginny and Strax back for the Twelfth Doctor. It's one of those... I can't get too excited for books because there's so many Doctor Who books out there that I want to read. And that it's just, all of them it's just now I'm adding three more to that list. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, yay! Well, maybe you we know. can add the Justin Richards one to the uh, the book club the month that uh, it releases. Maybe. We, we could be current on something. You'll have to get with Chrissy and get yeah. it on the poll. Instead of, you know... Trying to find things that haven't existed for twenty years. We can <laughs> something. We've, we've been pretty good. The only one that was tough, I think, for a lot of people was Crooked World. Yeah, because Earth World was re released last year in the fiftieth anniversary, and Touched by an Angel is relatively new. Yeah, so. excuse me, Touched by an Angel. There you go. <laughs> yeah. 
And then our other bit of news, BBC America has released a still image from the teaser. <laughs> a still image from the teaser. Way the same. behind the curve there, BBC. The two this, weeks. This would be the teaser that came out, like, what, two weeks ago? Yeah, two weeks ago. I, I went and double-checked the date. May 23rd is when it, the teaser came out. <laughs> so on Friday, it will be three weeks. <laughs> two weeks ago. Has BBC America announced when they're... No, <laughs> bringing they, Doctor Who. As far as they, I'm aware, that's 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 usual for those. BBC for them, didn't re- even release the teaser, as far yeah. as I'm aware. Well, yeah, <laughs> 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 it's because it says August at the end. They're not ready to commit. <laughs> did you guys see the uh, that rain trailer that the, that fan? I made? did. Yeah. Oh my god, that was so good. Did you guys, somebody give that guy a job? Yeah. Except for Clara's face, Clara was a bit off. She looked older. Well, just just the photo. Video shop work, whatever he did, just didn't well, quite match right. Considering that, considering it's really good. Yeah, I mean, but he's taking all all that of Capaldi is from forty seconds of existing footage, and everything else was manipulated because he didn't have any of them in that outfit. Yeah, that's impressive work. It is as good as it looks. It is very impressive. There's also an like eighteen minute previously on Doctor Who in the vein of Game of Thrones. <laughs> Enjoyable, an eighteen minute one. Yeah. To go it, cover all 50 years or no, just... No, it, it, it misses the boat where it could in the first, because it starts with the Martha speech from Sound of Drums, talking to the people, you know. Oh, Martha's walking the earth, we're off to a great start. <laughs> well, but it's that, it's that great speech of he saved you so many times and you never even know. That speech he gives. It's the one from it's Last of the Time Lords. Last really of the like. yeah. 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 We like that speech. Not from the book. Yeah, no, it's a yeah. good speech, but... But, but I'm so, I will fire. I, I maybe I need to. Not when that. I watch Sound of Drums, and that's what yeah, I'm worried about. Now that I've read that book, the story of Martha, just I will forever really associate the story of Martha with that story. And it could have it could have been really awesome, and they could have started with clips of every single Doctor before starting with Eccleston before going into the story so far. But they only did eight from uh, Night of the Doctor and a short clip of War Doctor. And then nine. And then nine. Well, yeah. well, and then they did nine, ten, eleven. And and then they sure. went into the story as the rest of the speech. But it was kind of a missed opportunity. The rest of it's really neat. It's really good. That solidifies my comments that Doctor Who the movie is the gateway to the new series. It's not a classic episode. It is a new series episode. It's the first of the new series episodes. Even though it wasn't a clip. It would have been better if they'd used a clip from the movie, though. Yeah. yeah. But they're using that Doctor. So. <clears throat> and it's... <laughs> It, it's, it really does a good job of boiling down the main story without a lot of the subplots of the seasons. Like, the whole Rose and Doctor romance isn't even mentioned in the entire trailer. Yay! Yeah, oh, which wait, is kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, oh yeah, there was that bigger issue with the Daleks and the Cybermen. <laughs> Such a good story. Alright, should we move on to feedback? Yes. Yay. Yes. First up is Bobby. Bobby writes, long-time listener, first-time caller. But she wrote. Hey, guys. I want to thank Keith. You're welcome. <laughs> well, that was great, Bobby. Thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I want to thank Keith. I thought it was my destiny to be the only member of Who fandom family to not get orgasmic over Caves of Adrazani. I'm happy to find out that I'm not alone. It's a great story, yes, but not the best. It's not even in my top ten. Although, admittedly, I haven't seen every story, so my list isn't complete. 
I also wouldn't show Blink to someone who's not watched the show before, but only because my experience has shown that Midnight is a better hook. Hmm. That is a good one. Something I've been wondering. The sci-fi show Heroes of Cosplay was in your area last season and showed a group of women as the Eleven Doctors. Do you know these ladies? Have a wonderful weekend, guys. Keep up the great work. Hugs. Bobby. Uh, we do know most of them, at least. Yeah. Uh, they fact, are. We big... shared a booth that, that year. year that they were uh, filmed for that. Yeah. Uh, they're part of the Kansas City Time Boat Society. Mm-hmm. For, uh, and they cosplay as the most, most of them are the... There are, like, three or four that are kind of the main people in charge of Casey Time Lord Society, and right. then they pulled in everyone else to do the rest of the Fem right. Doctors. Right. And I never saw the episode, but from what I understand, it kind of painted them in a negative light, and they're not. They're it's, not like that at all. I, I watched the episode because I was curious. It's wrestling. It was played for it's, drama. Yeah. It was played for drama, but it could have been much worse. Let's ah, just say that. I see. It, understandably, from their perspective and hearing it from them, it was played up and really out of context. And yes, it is out of context, but it's not as big of a part as it seems. Ah, it's a smaller part of the episode. Yeah, But they're lovely ladies all over. They're, they're very nice. We, I fact, commend uh, them for their ability to yeah. <laughs> do... Tina was on my panel with Josh That's right. That's right. She was one of them. Yeah. And you can find them on Facebook on uh, the Kansas City Time Art Society, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So. Yep. Absolutely. Thank you, Bobby, and thank you for, for, for writing in and for continuing to listen to us. And we hope to hear from you again. Absolutely. Up next is Allison. Allison writes, feedback submitted. It's been a long time since I commented. Several months back, I asked you at one point watching Do- at what point watching Doctor Who became fun rather than like homework. I believe you said that for some per- people, a certain episode would turn a switch. Or I may have heard that somewhere else. I forget. We'll either, take claim of it. <laughs> either I think we did say that. Either way, I found the switch. I watched City of Death and absolutely adored it. It was the first classic Doctor episode that I plan on buying the DVD to watch the extras. It's also cemented Tom as my favorite classic Doctor, and since I'm enjoying other classic, and since then I'm enjoying other classic episodes a lot more. Well, that's one of my favorites, and Tom is shown my Doctor. So yay, double bonus. <laughs> And the, the, the extras on that disc are very good. Oh, There's good. some really good ones on there. Some comments about some recent episodes that I've listened to. I'm behind. <laughs> the Mutants was a lot of fun. It reminded me of the Lazarus experiment. Plot-wise, it's entirely different, but in both cases, there was something in the DNA of the person that turned them into a bug-like creature. I never thought about that. Yeah, that's a good point. Huh. Makes me like Lazarus less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ripping off the Mutants. War Machines was great. I thought Ben and Polly got a strong introduction. I like them a lot more in this episode than I did in 10th Planet. I wish we'd gotten to know Dodo more. Too bad she went extinct so quickly. <laughs> Image of the Findel was a blah episode. It was my first Leela episode, and I get a kick out of her. My favorite part of the episode was seeing Sherlock's mom. Well, that and the fabulously bad worm monster costume. It was even funnier than the mutant ants. My favorite throw is still the Loch Ness monster from Terror of the Zygons. It's tough here. to talk the Loch Ness I, I, monster. I, 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 I thoroughly like him to defend all, but I, I can see the points. <laughs> yeah. uh, I then watch The Sunmakers right now, and I think it has a stronger plot than, plot than Findle. I would agree with that. <laughs> I've been following along the Doctor Who podcast series of Regeneration episodes. I enjoyed Planet of the Spiders. 
Legopolis was too weak. Oh, I'm sorry. It was too slow. <laughs> we won't talk much about that. Case of Andrazani. Yeah. Case of Andrazani is good, of course. I love the complexity of Sherazek. Uh, I want to say Sherazek every time. Sherazek. Although I thought the regeneration was a little hokey. Time in the Ronnie was hilarious, although not in the way the show intended to be. Uh, Sherlock's mum again. I still need to watch War Games and Twin Dilemma. I'm nervous about Twin Dilemma. Oh, be nervous about Twin Dilemma. <laughs> I was surprised to see the Doctor help Stale kill himself in the image of the Fendal, but it's actually a plot element I liked. I enjoy seeing the darker side of the Doctor. It makes him more a more layered character. It's one of the reasons I really like the endings of Family of Blood and Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. It's also why I was a little disappointed to see the Doctor save Gallifrey in Day of the Doctor, although I appreciate why it was done. I enjoy the contrast of the Doctor as both savior and destroyer of worlds. I thought it was genius of Russell T. Davies to create the idea of the Doctor destroying Gallifrey in a desperate act. Another fun note, after the fancy computer on war machines, I asked Siri to calculate the square root of nine, and she did so immediately. (laughs) (laughs) This has been a long email, but I'm excited to have someone to share my newfound enjoyment of classic Who with. I have some other questions for you that I'll write in future emails. Allison. Thank you, Allison. Yes. We look forward to seeing those Absolutely. emails. Absolutely. And I'm glad that you have finally found your uh, key to turn uh, this from homework to joy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad it was Tom. Yes, yeah. me too. Particularly that story, which is a very strong story. All right. Up next is Holly. Holly writes, hey guys, great last podcast. Rachel, thanks for the photos and video of your trip to PopCon. Dr. Phil, thanks for your feedback on the music of Caves of Adrazani. On to the reviews. Twin Dilemma. Well, with this story, there were parts that I liked and parts I didn't. The whole thing with the twins was alright, but what caught my interest more was that of the Doctor trying to, lack for a better word, regain himself after his regeneration, and Perry's coping with it as well. The scene with him choking her. Wow. I'm most surprised they showed that much of it when it aired. I wouldn't even say that Perry is, re- is really whiny, whining in this story. Oh, wait, be bad. Oh, skip the line. Sorry. Did I skip the line? Perry's mm-hmm. coping with it as well. He got that. Oh, you did? I said that I'm one. sorry. I, said yeah, that I skipped earlier. the line. I backed up a line. I'm sorry, Keith. Go ahead. I wouldn't even say that Perry is really whining in this story. She's scared. New Doctor and the one that replaced the old one isn't quite on the same side at the moment and trying to guess his moods and still help him get out alive. I think her tone is somewhat justified. I also wasn't expecting the twist with the man who captured the twins to be a Time Lord as well. Things at the end of the story seem to be almost back to what it can be considering normal for the Doctor and Perry. But I'm sure Perry's still going to be a bit leery and very careful around this doctor until she knows for certain he's not going to have any more spells. Something Borrowed. I like this ebook. I liked it better than Fifth Doctor's Adventure, and I think the author did a decent job of doing a first-person narrative from Perry's point of view. Plus the twist of the planet that they land on, being based off Las Vegas and a wedding planet to boot, caught my interest as what uh, kind of a ride this was going this would be going on. Or we would be going on. Okay, spoiler warnings now. We haven't read this yet. Plug your ears. The Ronnie's back! The Ronnie's back! Yes, I was excited when she showed up on the e-screen. Wow. 
I didn't see that one coming until Perry was being taken to see the bride-to-be. And I was telling myself, no, the author's not going to go there, is she? Why, yes, she is. I was bouncing up and down. There was the briefest of hints with the pterodactyls. But I only really noticed that they picked up on the doctor's... I only really noticed that and picked up on the doctor's comments that he had seen something like it before on my second reading, knowing that the Ronnie would be making an appearance. The author also captured the sixth doctor's voice really well in the story. I also kind of like how the story ended, with Perry and the doctor leaving and letting the son and the servant woman who loved him try to pick up the pieces and figure out where to go from here without any help from the doctor. I'll wrap it up here. Looking forward to hearing everyone's thoughts on these two stories. Holly from Wisconsin. Thank you, Holly. Thanks, Thanks Holly. Holly. And you'll hear our thoughts very soon. That's right. Soon. Soon. But first, Eric. Do I have Eric's? Yes. Yes. <clears throat> it's a forward from Keith. Oh. <clears throat> well, that would have been good to know. Sorry. Eric writes, hey, guys. Great last show, or today. Or excuse me, great show last week. I'll start over. Hey, guys. <laughs> great show last week, or today, if you're going by my time. I'm writing this on Tuesday evening, a few hours after listening to the Caves podcast. Hang on a second. Hanging on. How much do I have all of this? Because hmm? he's reading something different than I'm seeing. Is this not it? Nope, that's not it. That's last week's. Oh, never mind. Sorry. That one. <laughs> it's the other forward from Keith. That, that's what I get for reading along. We're <laughs> having issues with that tonight. <laughs> Start over. I'm sorry, Eric. Hey, guys. Great show last week. Or today, if you're going by my time. I'm writing this on Tuesday evening, a few hours after listening to the Caves podcast. I have to say that seeing the title of the podcast brought a smile to my face, and I hurriedly downloaded it to my wife's iPod to ensure I could hear all of it. <laughs> it did leave me wondering something, though. If you play a song at the beginning of the podcast, is that the one that you actually play in the room at the beginning of the recording, or do you edit it in afterwards? If you only play it at recording time, then I can understand, since I know how frequently how you frequently pick episode names afterward, and I don't know how far in advance how many of you read your feedback prior to recording. However, if you edit it in later, I have to wonder why you didn't open with the Bee Gees. As soon as I saw the title, I was expecting it. That's a Glenn question, Eric. <laughs> it's done in what, post, what Eric. What BG was he talking about? BG song was he talking about? What was the title? Uh, I don't remember what I titled it. Um, examining Tragedy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tragedy! Da, 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 oh, so it didn't, didn't even hit me. A lot of times, a lot of times I'll sit here and, in fact... Uh, I didn't think come, of that until just now. A lot now. of times I'll come up with a title <laughs> as we're talking about it. In fact, some of the... The reason I went there is because some of the feedback talked about, well, one, of, oh, one in Eric particular talked about, yeah, uh, oh yeah, Eric specifically talked about tragedy, and it, a lot of times those, those will hit me, and I'll, I'll formulate those even as we're sitting here recording. That one did not hit me. <laughs> I, I, I saw it when it popped up, and I thought, oh, good title, Glenn, and then I kind of went on with my day, and I was as far <laughs> as I went with it. I didn't boot it up this week. Didn't occur to me. Sorry, Eric. Well, maybe we'll play out with that one. <laughs> Considering what we're reviewing. <laughs> Spoilers. <clears throat> I had a bit of serendipity myself while listening to the podcast. It was during Dr. Phil's interview at the end. It just so happened that, that at the point that he played the audio from the regeneration scene and Five's companions were speaking, I was wrestling with Nissa and Adric. Yes, you read that right. 
You see, my family has a very small farm. And on that farm, we have some goats. E-I-E-I-O. <laughs> Dairy goat. He did that, not me. This is all Eric's humor here. Dairy goats, to be precise. And one of the things that gets dairy goat farmers, one of the things that dairy goat farmers often do is give all the kids born in the year a naming theme. Often farmers are boring and just use the name starting letter for each kid's name and go through all over the, the alphabet over the years. As I said, we find it boring. We've used spices, rocks, mathematicians, guitarists, and constellations over the previous years. This year, we have companions. The first two born twins, the first two born twins are fairly common for goats, certainly no dilemma, were named Nissa and Rose. Rose we've had since our parting of the ways if we Rose and we have had our parting of the ways if we have sold her to another family. She thought it was the end of the world. Doomsday even. <laughs> I see where this is going. <laughs> the next two were buck kids that are too closely related to our herd to keep. They might end up as dinner or spun out to another farm, and they are Adric and Harkness. <laughs> the last doe to give birth this year had one of each, before escaping just under a week later to forage in the woods and die of bloat. We have to bottle-feed her kids, who quite savagely jump on us and bite at our fingers and knees because they are rather confused about what does or does not have milk in it. The doe is Leela, and the buck, who is not related to the rest of the herd should make good breeding stock for years to come, is Brigadier. Just so you know, I tried downloading through iTunes after listening, and it did force me to use the podcast app. I had to re-download it as I had deleted it for being a piece of junk that I had suspected was causing my iPad to have memory problems. Upon downloading it, I found that it had apparently been updated, did not freeze, and allowed me to download the podcast and play it with no trouble. Problem solved. I'm glad my Shakespeare joke was appreciated. Hopefully Keith will get it by the time this is read at the recording time. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say that I don't remember a whole lot about the Twin Dilemma. And I don't really have any way of seeing it, as it's not on Amazon Prime, and I have no way of getting it on DVD. I, rem- I do remember hating it, though. The week before, I watched my doctor leave in a deeply moving story, nobly sacrificing himself for his newest companion, only to have him replaced by an, <coughs> excuse me, an arrogant prick that insulted the very memory of his previous incarnation. A week later, I got a doctor that was not only an arrogant prick, but a murderous psychopath to boot. That was it. I was done. At least until they switched to a different doctor, that is. I think I picked up again near the end of trial. Mind warp, I think. Just because I didn't want to miss any more than I had to. These days, I feel bad for how... <laughs> given up entirely. I thought I watched Twin and then didn't pick up again until Mind Warp. I just said, okay, I'm done with this. I'm so done. These days, I feel bad for how dismissive I was of Colin Baker. I'm thinking of trying to talk my library into getting some big finished subscriptions as I can't really afford them on my own. That would help remedy my teenage mistake and let me experience some more Paul McGann to boot. I don't suppose you guys could recommend some subscription periods that are particularly good and would be fine jumping on places for new listeners, would you? Subscriptions would probably make the most sense for a library, and if I'm successful, I might only, I might only be able to get them to buy them once. Well, that's it. Keep up the great work. Eric. I'm not sure how the subscription stuff works. I'll be honest, I don't know. I don't either, either because I buy them as we go. So because they're available on the website, and still, and you can just download them individually. So I've never yeah. subscribed. As far as starting subscribers places, subscribers get more. Subscribers do get more. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 we should probably I've, look into. I've that. heard Nick Briggs say that a lot. <laughs> um, as far as starting places, I mean, obviously, uh, well, I mean. Any of the Paul McGann's minus the Divergent Universe we're big fans of. <laughs> well, there was some good Divergent in there. It just, yeah, I was I was glad to get out of that overarching story. Um, but you kind of do need to start with 
It's hard to jump into Paul, I think, after the first story. Maybe a little bit, you can maybe jump in later, but Charlie kind of has that arc. Yeah, Charlie does think, have an arc. But I think you're all right early on, because yeah, they, they, just, they, gets... they briefly mention it, but I don't think it was until, I don't think it was until we got to Zagreus, Zagreus, well, Neverland, that we Neverland. really, we, we really got the big chunk of what was going on, and, and the uh, ramifications of what he'd done, taken her out of time, and whatnot. I suppose, Eric, the be- the best way to look at it is, is anything after he gets out of bed. For the most part, kind of any there. of the television companions are probably going to be standalone stories that you could pick and choose. You yeah. know, uh, whatever you were interested in. Now, so any fifth, of the, sixth, seventh Doctor. Well, not necessarily any of the television companions. Perry. With the fifth, sixth, and right. seventh doctors, what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Because I there probably. are no television companions for the eighth doctor. Right. Yeah. Um, we were we jumped from I, I, eighth doctor to. I got gotcha. you. Gotcha. But, for example, if you wanted to do a sixth doctor and Evelyn story, those I would almost say, just because we, we've been listening to them in order, I would say those <laughs> yeah, should probably those be done in order. Kind of the same for Charlie. She's a, a big finish exclusive companion. I would well, say those probably need to be done. Five Perry, and then once Aramim gets a bomb, yes, and we've only Aramim done the, we've only done the first one of those so far. But I would I would suggest that those probably need to be done as well. So that kind of is is you know maybe the logic to look at there. But Eric, not, I, I listened to years ago. I started a big finish. Oh gosh, even three or four years before we started this podcast, I was picking up just ones that looked interesting, had titles and companions that I knew, and, and didn't have any problem following along as. Sean was saying with the TV companion. So I think you can jump in on any of those, pick those up, listen to those as standalone stories and be just fine. But as as Sean was alluding to, yeah, the the ones that are like well, Eighth Doctor, I, I think I'd go with Eighth Doctor from the beginning and just go through no matter who, what care what yeah. where you're at. Um, same thing with and, and you, you've heard me say before Evelyn, that even, you should get uh, introduced to her. Even though these two guys haven't got to him yet, but any of the Eighth Doctor audio adventures that are specifically Eighth Doctor audio adventures, uh, yeah, you can't go wrong with those. Yeah. Just it's a, <laughs> say, Derek, get these four seasons and go. <laughs> so. so it looks like um, I'm just looking at the Big Finish website, and there's a variety of subscriptions you can do. One is just the main range, and it's what how it works is just you subscribe and you get... Twelve uh, CD a month, mm-hmm. and that's so it's, it for the it's, it's the so current you, line. Yeah, you don't get back catalog. Right, you jump on wherever you subscribe. It looks right. like okay. So well, that might not be for the library. Uh, could work, could not. Yeah. Telling. I would very much like a picture of uh, the brigadier because in my head he's got a little brigadier goat mustache, <laughs> <laughs> and I will give you a thousand bonus points if you put an eye patch on him. <laughs> <laughs> but then you have to lose the mustache. Oh, that's true. Yeah, he didn't have the uh, mustache. Or a hat. <laughs> Put a big hat on him. <laughs> I don't know. If he's biting you, you probably shouldn't put an eye patch on him now. <laughs> he's probably confused enough. Thank you for your email, Eric. Yes. Up next is Chrissy. Chrissy writes, Larger than life. Dear Vortex Boys, Last week I took a couple of days to drive down to see my parents, and that's when I was finished was listening to the podcast. Had I not been driving an immensely unreliable car, I would have turned around and headed straight to Kansas to give Sean a good kick in the shins for the horn he gave <laughs> for the caves of Adrazani. And I thought he must have been joking, but then the joke went on and on and on for 20 minutes, and I started to believe him that he really hated this story. 
So I guess anyone can be gullible if you lead them on long enough, but none of you ever gave caves a proper dun-dun-dun! So I expect the oversight to be corrected this week. Well, there you there go. You, go. <laughs> you, you have done it for us, Chrissy. And Glenn, I've never had a problem with the Six Doctors' last l- line of change, my dear, and it seems not a minute too soon. I always thought that he was referencing the fact that the Fifth Doctor was so badly poisoned by Spectrox <laughs> that, oh God, okay, and that he had held off his regeneration for so long that the regeneration might not actually work and the Doctor could actually be dead for good. I thought that it was a good thing that the Doctor regenerated just in time to avoid that happening. I never, it never once occurred to me that the writers were putting in a dig to the Fifth Doctor or anything like that. I think you're making too big of a deal out of it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's yeah. It, it's with Re- with, with those road, rose colored glasses. Yeah, I can see where you could get that, but it was most clearly the writers putting the dig in. It wasn't putting the dig into the fact that I, I think I miscommunicated that. It wasn't the fact that they were basically putting a dig in against the fifth Doctor. I think the line is there to paint the picture of what to expect from the sixth Doctor. I the would agree arrogance with that. of the sixth Doctor. I don't think it was a dig at five at all. It was a, a playful way to give us an idea of what Colin Baker's Doctor was going to be like. I would agree so. with that. But I like Chrissy's explanation. Chrissy's explanation is nice. A nice rose-colored <laughs> look at that. So. <laughs> Oh, and I have something to say about those rank all the Doctor Who stories from top to bottom polls. I hate them with a passion unbridled. I hate that you have to have one story that is the top best reaching of the pinnacle story ever and everything else is somehow less. I hate that you have to have one story that is the uttermost uh, dregs and complete trash that we never speak of it again. I think you can have a handful of stories that are very well done and deserve praise and accolades all for different reasons. I think that you can have stories that fall somewhere in the middle. I think you can have stories that aren't so great. I think you can have stories that some people love and other people can dislike for the same stories. For example, I completely adore The Rings of Akatan, and I quite resent being told that it's crap. So already that poll in Doctor Who magazine is dead to me, and I'm just going... And I'm not just going. I'm, I'm not going to listen to it. I don't even want to make my own power ranking list of Doctor Who stories, as I know some people have done, because I would have a hard time choosing what goes at the very top and what goes to the very bottom, because I think there are multiple stories that belong in both places. So there. That's my thoughts on ranking stories. It's a waste of time, and it always ticks me off. I, I completely un- understand. Well, this week we're reviewing stories and <laughs> ranking them. Yay! I, I completely understand where you're coming from there, Chrissy, and and that's your prerogative entirely, and I, I completely respect that. I like the fact that they rank stories based on polls because I like to get an idea of what other Whovians think of stories from A to Z. But they're and, wrong. Well, well, I appreciate the fact, too, though, that I think that they are entirely wrong on a lot of them. Now, I find myself, I, don't, I, don't, I try not to be influenced by polls whatsoever. So it's strange that I find myself agreeing most of the time with polls. In fact, the top five on that list were my top five polls. It's not going to be everybody's top five or top five stories. But they they end up being mine. even in the same order. And twin dilemma in the tw- same order. Twi- they weren't in the same order. Okay. And twin dilemma were 
was at the very last was where I played it. Now, I come down on the side with Chrissy on the Rings of Akaton. It was ranked way too far down for me. I mean, it was near the bottom. It was in like the, top, the lower five, wasn't it? Yeah. And if, if not the second to last. And I totally disagree with that because I adore that story. But what this ranking of them also does is when fandom as a whole ranks them, and I get an idea of what we think should be like-minded people rank things in such an order, it makes me want to examine things a little more and find out, well, I wonder why someone didn't like that story or why somebody did like that story. So I actually can utilize the polls in such a way that I can kind of maybe look at ones that I disagree with, take another look at them and see, well, why did I like this and some people didn't? Or why do I like, you know, some people like this one and I didn't. So I think that it's a useful tool to me to just kind of maybe try to understand why they're they're ranked that way in such a way. Now, will it change my mind? No, most of the time it doesn't. Um, but it does allow me to re-examine some of the, the things that if I disagree if with. If it's just a, a, a power ranking, if it's just a listing of episodes and this is the best and this is the worst and ta-da, there it is, it, it, it doesn't serve, I mean, other than a barometer, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't, yeah, well, it doesn't mean anything to me. because yeah. Now, if you broke it down and said, this is why this one's ranked here. Right. This is why this one's ranked here. Well, that would be much more interesting. That would be much more interesting to me. And and quite honestly, then maybe you could change my mind about yeah. some stuff, about some reasons. It's like, well, okay, maybe I'll give you that one on this. I, I Chrissy, I kind of 100% agree with you that the polls are annoying and a complete waste of time. But I love them as a fan and as a fanboy, and I love making them. And I love feeling superior to people who got it so blatantly wrong. <laughs> That's what I like about them. I, lo- I look at all these polls. Oh, who's the best James Bond? Oh, you guys are all idiots. And, you know, and I move on with my day, and I feel good about myself. I can see that. <laughs> I think I'm more in line with Chrissy, the fact that groups, yes, individual ranking, I don't know. I, I, I can individually rank stories. I, if I sit down. I can generally say, if you say this or this, I could do that, but... I think I, it would take me a while, but I could sit down and rank all the stories. I don't know if I could. I mean, it would yeah. take weeks, but I could do it. I mean, I'd feel obligated to go back and watch them all to make sure I remember oh, I, it correctly. I, well, I think so too. But, <laughs> and that would take. Years. And I yeah. guarantee you, the people who put See, this I, list together did not go back and that's rewatch. That's just it, though. All those I think I could sit down and rank them, and then it would intrigue me to go. Okay, now I'm going to go through this list. And things and might change, yeah. but I think I could sit down and rank them just from memory, and then go okay. Because so. I, I did a top ten, like my my top ten favorite movies. These are the these are my my absolute See, my, my not not even best even not good not big quality. We're always fluctuating, but that's just it. These are my top ten favorites, and I ranked them all out. And then I went back and watched one of them and went, "How did I have that one at number six? That's <laughs> totally a better movie. It should go up at number four. And then I'd rewatch number four and go, "Well." Maybe that one should be down at number nine, and then watch number ten and go, "Wow, this shouldn't even be in my top ten. So you know, <laughs> it yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a constant state of flux. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. Time for reviews. The twin dilemma. I had heard how eye bleedingly bad this story was before I'd even seen the moment of Tom of Colin Baker on the screen, and I was dreading watching it. So I started the Sixth Doctor with Vengeance on Varos much better story because someone told me it was good and i kind of went from there when i finally got around to the twin dilemma i i'd seen a chunk of the sixth doctor and i believe i'd listened to some big finish as well i figured that even if this story was utter crap i could fall back on the fact that i had seen and heard some pretty decent sixth doctor stories well i watched the twin dilemma and while i'm 
not about to praise it or call it wonderful and amazing. It's all right. The twins in this story have zero personality. That's true. And, oh, gee, I wonder where they got the idea for the names. Good grief. Can you get any more uncreative? Yes. And And I'm not even sure what the story is about. The doctor is in regeneration crisis mode and acting very odd. Hello, strangling your traveling companion? What? I mean, Perry probably doesn't feel too great about having been saved from Spectrox poisoning just to be subjected to assault by the very guy who saved her life. I maintain that the Spectrox did something very bad to the doctor's mental function, and it took him a while to heal up from that, and that's why Six is kind of of awful for a while. But I do admit that the makeup... Off for a while. Yeah. You said that it sounded off. like awful. Well, I said, uh, oh, off for a while. <laughs> but I do admit that the makeup and costuming on the aliens is quite creative, actually. Asmail is kind of a cool character. He and the Doctor have a good relationship, and Asmail's death scene is pretty good. Even the Doctor's little speech about the, or at the end about being the Doctor and having gone through the change was a decent, though... They could have left off the whether you like it or not line. (laughs) That was a bit much. So there are positive things to say about this story, but they don't add up to make a whole cohesive story. I don't mind that I've seen this one, but I'm I'm not in a huge rush to watch it again. To be truthful, how hard would it have been to follow up... Excuse me. How hard would it have been to follow up after something like the Caves of Adrazani? I think anything that came after that would have suffered in public perception. Caves really should have closed out the season. I would agree with that. Something borrowed. I really enjoyed this story. It's a creative little romp, and I love that it's told from Perry's point of view. And how long have we been clamoring for the return of the Ronnie? I love the concept of the alien race that changes appearance when they get married, but they have to do it in a short space of time and when they find their true love. It's a really clever idea, one that I think uh, Rochelle Mead pulls off very well. Oh, and when I heard Michelle, Rochelle Mead was writing one of these, I was really excited. She's a popular young adult fiction author, and the kids at the library seem to enjoy her stuff, so it was cool to see her name attached to a Doctor Who project. She's even got the voice of Perry and the Doctor down perfect. I can easily imagine this story being adapted for a short, big finish story. Wonderful story, lots of fun to read, and I didn't want it to end because I was enjoying it so much. As an aside, I found this quote today on Tumblr from Rochelle Mead talking about something borrowed, and I think it's quite a good summation of The Sixth Doctor. Uh, There's a link in the show. Can we go there and read that? Let me see. It's kind of long. I wasn't prepared. Well, we'll put the link in the show, and anybody that... I have it pulled up if you want to read it. Not too bad. Just put the link. I really love the Sixth Doctor because I feel he's larger than life, and the Doctor always is. That's part of his nature. But I just feel that Colin Baker really nails that. Everything about him on screen just draws you in. You can't take your eyes off of him, and I don't just mean he's the crazy plaid wardrobe. Everything about his personality is out there. He's brash. He's real sharp-witted. He makes those these jokes that you almost feel bad sometimes for poor Perry, who loves him anyway, and we do too. He's also got the darker streak than some of the other doctors, and it doesn't take away from his heroism and doing what's right, but he's got 
these moments, these doubts that nag him. In some of the episodes, you see these moments where he's forced to look at himself and he questions himself, but in the end, he never questions what his path and what he has to do. That was the quote from Michelle Mead. I, I, I'm glad I read the quote because I wholeheartedly agree yeah. with her, 100%. Um, then there's a clip, the video comes worth the watch. We'll put that in the show notes. Plus, it's Colin Baker's birthday today, so there's a bit of serendipity for all, for us all. One big thing, people ought to start following this Twitter feed. It's twitter.com backslash at fiveish fangirls. Trust me, and that's all I'm going to say. Though by the time this podcast comes out, there may be a bit more news to report. Just saying. Have a great <laughs> week, anyone, everyone. Chrissy. Thank you, Chrissy. Thanks, Chrissy. Shall we go ahead and spoil? I thought you had put Chrissy at the end. I didn't realize we oh. had one more. <laughs> that was a, that's why I thought you'd put her at the end so we could talk about it. No, let's go ahead and talk about it. Well, the podcast that's been discussed of the ladies of Traveling the Vortex is now the five-ish fangirls, and they put out their first episode. We have a Joni Loves Chachi. <laughs> Our girls are all grown up. Off. We have a spinoff. Our girls are all grown up and doing their things on their own. Uh, yeah, they we have a spinoff, which is totally awesome, and we have all listened to it, and we think you ladies did a fantastic job. Really enjoyed it. And, that. yeah, uh, right now it's it's 40 minutes, which clocks in about a third of any of our <laughs> I think we started that, too. <laughs> I don't think we started 40, but I think we hit Pretty close to an hour. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, good on you girls, and... and uh, the best of luck in in, in in your endeavor because I, I think you guys got a real good thing going and I thoroughly enjoyed the first episode. Even though I, I notice a lot of the episode is, first of all, how you came to do this, which has a lot to do with us. And then the middle part of the episode is you introducing yourselves and talking about yourselves. And I already know you, <laughs> all of you, mostly. I did learn a few new, new nuggets about a few of you. Um, what I did, what just occurred to me tonight when I was listening is I realized there were, there were two voices on there I have never heard. I have never heard Holly from Wisconsin, and I've never heard Brittany speak because all the other gals had either sent in audio feedback or had, uh, I think Rachel has, her, well, she's she sent audio. She sent in audio, audio feedback as well, but, yeah, she's caught her vlog. Uh, Michelle obviously recorded with Sean and, and Mel when they went to... Um, uh, Galley. Galley, thank you. I met Chrissy in person at Galley. So, yeah, there was, there was it was just... Interesting because I, it occurred to me that I've corresponded with you all over the internet, but I had never heard those two girls' voices, so that was intriguing to me. I'm looking forward to a lot more from them, more episodes, and it will definitely be a must-listen to as soon as they come out. I enjoyed it immensely. I was I was kind of with you. I was like, who are these other people? Oh, I know. Well, no, I don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know who that is. So that that was fun, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to more uh, from them and more insights and more wonderful things. And I think it's a good thing. And I think there's not enough ladies' voices in in the, the fandoms that we're all part of. I agree. Uh, and so um, change, not a moment too soon. <laughs> <laughs> Actual voices, because I think there's there's quite a voice out there. It's just we don't hear a lot of podcasts yeah. as yeah. far as the, the fandom Well, po- goes. podcasting yeah. tends to be a, a boys' club. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of an unfortunate truth that it does. 
And let's be honest, the, the fandoms that, that we certainly fall into, whether it's Doctor Who or James Bond or Muppets or whatever, tend to, for whatever reason... Well, seem... that was an eclectic <laughs> spread of fandoms yes. there. <clears throat> well, tangents like we do. Um, <laughs> but it, it tends to skew male, it seems like. that. And obviously, there are female fans out there. I'm not saying that they're not. and I'm not saying that they're in the minority. It just appears that way. Well, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's less noticeable now than it was even five or ten years ago. Yeah, agreed. Or when I was a kid, when I didn't, I knew one girl that read comic (laughs) books, and that was it. I didn't know anybody else, any other females that were in any of the fandoms that I was into. So, yes, congratulations on your first episode, and we're excited to hear more. While we're doing a bit of promoting, I forgot to mention Flicks with Friends and oh. what we did this oh, week. Oh, let's uh, hang on just a second. Before you do that, uh, shoot, I closed out my thing. Uh, it's the Five Ish Fangirls oh, Podcast. Is it, is it podcast? Dot, dot blogspot.com. And that'll get you to everything you need to know about them. That You can find their Twitter handle on there. You can find their Facebook page on there. You can find their Tumblr blog on there. You can find all of their individual uh, contact information on Twitter. And, and I think they. I now that it occurs to me, I don't think I saw a feedback. There, there, there's, an there's an email listed. There is an email. Okay. Yeah. So that you can email. So them. you can get there by that uh, address, and I will also have a link in the show notes. Sorry, Keith. Go ahead. We're just going to be doing Battle for the Planet of the Apes on Tuesday, June tenth, at eleven thirty p.m. Central Daylight Time. All right. That's this Tuesday. And we have one more bit of feedback. Yes, we, we do. Speaking of another member of the Five Issue. Rachel, she writes in common question. Hello, Vortex Gang. Well, well, well. The time has finally come to discuss the Sixth Doctor's first story, The Twin Dilemma. As we all know, the Sixth Doctor is my doctor. By the way, a very happy birthday to Colin Baker. But when I originally saw this story, my attitude was completely different. At the time, I had just finished watching all the Doctor Who that was available for streaming on Netflix. Unfortunately, the selection was limited when it came to the classic era, and there were no Six Doctor stories on the list. In fact, as I write that write this, that is still the case. A gross undersight, in my opinion, but I digress. I should mention, Rachel, when uh, a few years back when I went through the catalog on Netflix, there were two stories on mm. there that were Six Doctor, and it wasn't Twin Dilemma. Um, I think and Vengeance attack, and Attack were on there, which are the the following two stories. I'm kind of surprised Vengeance isn't on there now. Yeah. Especially, like, following the revisiteds and whatnot. Being newish to Doctor Who at the time, I wanted to make sure that I had seen each Doctor at least once. So so off I went, scouring the internet for some resource that would allow me to check off all the Doctors. I had a list of all the Doctor Who stories. Since I wasn't sure which sixth Doctor story to watch, I figured I'd start with his first, The Caves of Adrizani's on Netflix. So I had seen his regeneration. Makes sense, right? Wrong! Obviously I'm biased when it comes to my doctor, and really any who is good who, but when it comes to old Sixty, this is not how I would introduce anyone to this particular doctor. After watching it the first time, I wanted nothing to do with Six. I thought it was a jerk, and Perry was an idiot for sticking around. Sure, Six can be brash, arrogant, and sometimes downright rude. Rude and not ginger. <laughs> but in subsequent stories, and especially Big Finish audios, you'll f- you find that Six can be caring, unselfish, and empathetic. But I didn't know that at the time. It just goes to show that first impressions can be quite misleading. 
That being said, I don't think that the twin dilemma is the worst story ever, but it certainly suffers from being in from that from being uh, suffers being from that particular era in Doctor Who history. If I had someone approach me today and ask me about getting into the classic era and specifically the Sixth Doctor, I would tell them to steer away from his inaugural episode until they've seen later stories: Revelation of the Daleks, Attack of the Cybermen, or Vengeance on Barrows comes to mind. And listen to some of his big finish stories, especially if they involve Evelyn, as she is a wonderful companion who complements Six quite well. Then one can go back and watch The Twin Dilemma with a firmer idea of who the Sixth Doctor really is and just appreciate the story for what it is. A companion encountering a generation and a dealing with the unpredictable nature of it while simultaneously stumbling across trouble and saving the day. With that in mind, well, then, then The Twin Dilemma... Isn't that bad, then, is it? Rachel. All right. Good. good argument, Rachel. Yeah. Okay, I have a request. <laughs> you want to talk about the other one first? No, I'd like to talk about Twin Dilemma first, so I can end on a high note. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The Twin Dilemma. I like that the back cover has this kind of Playboy play posed on it. <laughs> of course it does. <laughs> Uh, the Doctor has regenerated and all is not well. Confused, angry, and acting strangely, the new Doctor decides to become a hermit, so he takes his concerned companion, Perry, to a desolate asteroid where he plans to live in, plans to live for several centuries. The time travelers soon uncover a plot that threatens the entire galaxy, but why has an alien gastropod kidnapped twin boys from Earth, and will the Doctor recover in time to find out? You don't have the horn queued up, Glenn. No, I, I thought I thought you I would. I'm not. Gonna, I don't. I don't I'm not going to give it a dun. dun, dun. I'm just going to give it dun dun dun. Uh, I I actually, I could tell from Friday night that he didn't. I didn't. I didn't hate this at all. I I could tell from Friday night that you actually quite enjoyed it. It was kind of fun. Uh, it's the story is shallow, yeah, but. What, what's what's fascinating about it is kind of what Rachel points out is the dealing with the regeneration going wrong and having the troubles and Perry's interactions with it and dealing with it and seeing the Doctor trying to overcome these issues and move past them. And then as far as the overall story with the twins, it's it's okay. It's not bad. It's not great, but it's not bad. I think there are other classics whose stories that I think are worse than Twin Dilemma. Uh, Delta and the Bannerman being one of them, Black Orchid being one of them. I, I, I there are others. I just haven't racked my brain too hard on them. Well, I, you're wrong, but <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> I feel so superior. <laughs> it's and you know how I feel about Delta and the Bannerman. I, I would, I would rank. This the, is worse than Happiness Patrol. Happiness Patrol is a masterpiece. We, we've, I'm we've, talking from my perspective. <laughs> we've, we've come down on the side of Happiness Patrol. That's no, not a good I'm, argument. There. I, I would actually put this above Talons as far as enjoyment watching. I disagree with that. It's I, 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 I the twins. Yeah, kind of weak. See, but it's just quickly Talons for me though is one of those middle of the road. I, if I were ranking these, that would be in the middle. I've I've always. Uh, Express, I don't understand how it's so high. 
But I've never said I hated Talons. I've never, Talons does not belong at the bottom of the list. Talons has a lot of great redeeming qualities about it. I just never understood why it was so high on everybody's list. So it, This is a middle-of-the-road story. Uh, it kind of... It's how I feel about most of Six Doctors' run. It's, it's not bad, but it's not great. It's middle-of-the-road. Um, Attack of the Cybermen being the exception. And Vengeance. Vengeance is pretty high up there. Um... Fortunately, those both warp. these stories and mind warp. Fortunately, both of these, both of those stories, not mind warp, but both of those stories uh, follow along, follow right after this. So. Yeah, and it's, I, I just don't think it's any worse than any other Six Doctor story. I, I just don't understand the hate for it. I don't. Maybe you can enlighten me more on why it's so horrible. Well, here's, because here's, I, don't, I don't think it's that bad. Here's where I fall down on this: is this is I've always said that no who is bad who. I don't, I don't think this is a vile, horrible story that I can't stand and hate. But this is the go-to for me saying this is the worst Doctor Who story. It always has been for me. Part of that comes from my situation that when I saw this, I saw this right after Caves of Adrazani. So I already got a strike against it. Got a strike against it because of that. So. I can see where the the, the uh, people on Friday Night the other night was talking about if you had seen other Six Doctor stories, oh, yeah. and if you had listened to Big Finish, you probably wouldn't dislike this one as much as people that saw these in order. But I saw this right after Caves of Androzani, which even as a kid I recognized as such a good story. And then saw this, and there's no plot. There, There's, there's one there. But it's there's very one. shallow, as you said. In fact, it's like zero entry level of the swimming pool shallow. Well, and um, I think part of that is because they're they're focusing on the regeneration, the so they need the rest of the plot to be The performances are terrible, with the exception of the Sixth Doctor and Perry, who I thoroughly enjoy, and I always have enjoyed that much of it. But the first episode is the most drastic because of the fact that we just went through... it. it I don't think it means to be, and when you put it in the perspective of the fact that he's having a really bad time with this regeneration, even if it's due to the Spectrox, even if it's due to the fact that he just had a bad regeneration cycle, the throttling of the, the companion, the misquotes, the confusion, everything that's in this, and it has happened since this, where we've had regenerations that we've had issues with, but never to this extent, It it's so jarring and out of place in the story for me that I don't enjoy it. Even if I can appreciate it for what they did it for, I don't enjoy it. So that are, that right there is strike two. It makes it bad in that sense for me, from my perspective of not being a very good Doctor Who story. Then once we get past the majority of that and we start seeing the Doctor Perry relationship that starts to get better, which is good, then we get into this mundane story that doesn't go anywhere until the end. We don't discover that the slugs woke up and this one particular one is going to launch him into the sun That because that's actually kind of a clever concept. It really but is. But we take way too long to get to it. Okay, there's, there, there's no build mystery to it. That's the problem is if, well, we had, if we had simply been going along and dropping a little more hints and really building upon a mystery and then got the big revelation, that would have been great. But did we trundle along for two episodes not knowing what the heck's going on all the all the story is that these twins have been kidnapped. The doctor's trying to figure out what's gone on wrong with this planet that he's been to before, and we've got this space policeman that's trying to recover the twins. That's it. 
The only other th- redeeming quality of the fact is the guy who kidnapped the twins for what's his name? I don't even remember the character's name because I. I the big slug. The slug guy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know but but Azale is the one that captured him for Morgul, I think is what his name is. Morgul? Mestor? Is it Mestor? Mestor? Mestor. I, I, sure. The I, like, I honestly I could never decide if it was Messor, Nessor, or if the accents were so pronounced they were saying master. <laughs> but yes, master, well, like okay, an so Igor well, kind of situation. Let's take a better <laughs> argument. That's a slug. <laughs> uh, but Azale's character is the only thing in there that's intriguing, and it's it's not Asmel. above the surface. excuse me, is not the uh, above the surface intriguing. It's this: why has he kidnapped these guys? Why is he working for this guy? Why, when the doctor finally recognizes him, why does he not have? Why why has he been such a dork about it? All of that's answered for me, which is fine. I'm glad they did that. But you've got two stories of this middle of the road blah, story that's is totally uninteresting to me, and so that's why it's not a good story because there's other than the doctor and Perry performances, which I think they do a good job. It's not their best performances. They have a lot better performances later on, but this is the bottom of the line as far as their performances. But that's the only thing captivating to me is the fact that we're getting, we're learning about the sixth doctor. And I, again, coming off of caves, I didn't like this guy. I didn't like this regeneration as a kid. I didn't understand it. So that tainted my view of that in the first place. And so that's probably always set, Bad with me, and that's why I've always. I, I think, it this I think way. that's probably a large. But part there's of it. nothing else that redeems it for me. Even going back, this is my fourth reviewing of this thing too. I've watched this thing over and over again because I want to give it a better. I want to give it a try. I want to get. I want to find out. And and part of the reason I go back to it is because there's very little Sixth Doctor to see. Well, yeah. And so this is one of the ones I stick in there because it's uh-huh. Sixth Doctor, and I, I get a chance to see it. I, I take that back. This is probably over my, my third viewing. Well, no, this is my third viewing since I started watching Doctor Who again. So, yeah, no, I've had four viewings. So this technically is my fourth. Um, again, no who's bad who, and I, I'm not going to... I can't lambast this story because it's just there. And that's what makes it bad, is well, it's just there. It's there's nothing, there's nothing that ranks it higher than anything else that's worth ranking it higher than anything else in Doctor Who. That's where I come down on. I didn't realize this was. I'm going to. I'm sorry. I'm going to show and not tell here for a moment. <laughs> I didn't realize. I had talked about this a while back that somebody had done a oh, that's what that black outfit to kind of reflect that this was probably a little bit closer to what he had in mind. Something more first doctor or even more. There's first. a actually a uh, a uh, uh, extra on there where they remark on the costumes of the doctor. It's, it's kind of interesting. And at the very end of it, somebody photoshops a image of a darker suit. On him that was more in line of what he, he would have liked. I I've always I've, I've always thought that was a, as soon as I saw it I was like I really like that look. It's very cool, but mm-hmm. wasn't meant to be. Um, I, I don't hate uh, that's that's the thing is I I will not come down on the Six Doctors patchwork coat, coat because I have never been a disliker of that. Uh, I've always thought that was fine. It, I I've never had a problem with the coat. I think the coat looks fine. I think it's a different look for the Doctor, and I enjoy the complete different look that, that they, they took for, for the six. Well, and, and and so it, I've always it, thought the coat was fine. I'm actually, I've always liked the coat. I, well, I'll go as far as to say I've liked the coat. Well, it fits his personality, too, because he's so boisterous and so loud that his... Bombastic. Co- yeah, bomb- his costume matches. It just it, it, I, I really haven't had much of a problem with the coat, either. Here's the thing. 
I kind of fall down in between. I, I agree with you, Keith. I think this is a middle-of-the-road episode. I think where it suffers is, is twofold. One, absolutely. It's following Caves of Androzani. Anything is going to suck after Caves of Androzani because Caves was so good on so many different levels. The directing, the, the everything about Caves stood out. This one's very bland. Yeah. The, the well, way it we went looks, back to the way it's quo. You are, it shot, you're absolutely wrong in the, the statement that anything would have sucked after. That's absolutely wrong. If you would have put as good of a story as Vinge and the Varos behind Caves of Androzani, it wouldn't have sucked. Would it have been as good as Caves? No. But it would not have sucked. It would have still been a strong okay, well, story. Right. It would have been enjoyable. So maybe sucked is too strong a word. But anything That's would like have been... going from Genesis of the Daleks to um, Ark in Space. Was it Ark was next? Revenge was Revenge next. Revenge was next. Revenge of Cyberman. Revenge of Cyberman, fine story. But it's not a letdown after Genesis. It's a letdown after Genesis. So maybe sucked it, is, it is too strong. in comparison. But it's still a letdown. You're coming down off of that yeah. high. And quite honestly, I'm beginning to wonder if that's not the same problem that I had with the specials years for Tenet coming off of Waters of Mars. No, I think there are other problems. And then end being in, and going into end of time and being disappointed just because we were at such a peak with this story that anything that would have followed it is is you're you're in a letdown. Regardless of the strength of this story, you're still coming off of that that roller coaster. So that's part one. Part two. So this, that's why a lot of people dislike Time of the Doctor. It was because it came off of Day well, of the Doctor, yeah. and so many people enjoyed. You can't yeah. you can't live up to Day of the Doctor. Doctor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, nothing ever will. Yeah. Well. Not until the next anniversary. Yeah, really. <laughs> um, so, so, the hundredth anniversary. So, so there's that part. The second part of it is the, the story. There is a very mundane, lackadaisical storytelling going on in in this. We've got these, and and it doesn't help that we've got the two most boring twin actors ever in the history of boring actors. I apologize, guys. I have no idea where they are now. I don't really care. Hopefully, not acting because they just were bland. If there was a reason for it, if the script had called attention to the fact, if they had even poked fun at it, it would have been one thing. But they're just there, and they're meant to be brains. And this falls in yet another long line of science fiction shows that let's put genius in the brain of a child, and it doesn't work. It could have been you know, Wesley Crusher and Lucas Wallencheck is a joke that I made, and, it's, and nobody got Lucas Wallencheck because nobody watched Sequest. But it's the same thing. It just, is, it just doesn't work. The whole idea of bringing these two planets in orbit of the other, okay, that's kind of a cool little idea, but then you're telling me that a Time Lord didn't put two and two together to come up with the fact that because their mass is less, they're going to crash into the sun? Oh, but that's the point, is that we want that to happen. But he didn't catch on to that until all the way at the end, and he needed these two human children who happen to be geniuses to mathematically... There's not a computer that could have calculated that? Was Adric unavailable? Oh, yeah, he was. <laughs> so, <laughs> I just none of that really holds up, and none of that makes sense. It's just very unfortunate. And I say very unfortunate because here's the thing. Twin Dilemma is a reverse unearthly child. We've said before that Unearthly Child starts off in episode one is superb <laughs> and strong and extremely well done, and then the subsequent three episodes kind of suck. I think this one's the reverse. I think the lead-up three episodes suck 
And the last, and the episode, last episode is yeah, actually I'll, I'll give some great. credit for the last episode. The last episode. Well, it's not great. No, it is great. It's good. It really is great because they, they finally get some traction going and we finally get to see all these mechanisms of the stuff that hasn't gone anywhere for three episodes finally start to come into play. And pay off. And, and pay sense. off and make sense. And it becomes a Doctor Who episode at that point because we've got him leading the rebellion of these people against the evil slave master who happens to be a giant slug. Uh, we, we've got the exposition. We've got the people who you think are going to be, oh, great, I like this character, and then they die off. And you're like, aw. <laughs> I mean, it becomes what you expect out of Doctor Who. And the Doctor finally falls into his element. He finally becomes somebody to rally around and be the hero of the story versus the unlikable Doctor at the beginning. Now, I agree with Chrissy. Everything that went on to it with the regeneration is, is, you know, because of the Spectrox poisoning and how rocky it was. I get that. I understand that's where they were going it makes, with it. It makes sense. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a logical story progression from Caves to continue that thread. But you run the risk of alienating so many of your fans with this, you know, by not mentioning it. First of all, the script probably could have dropped a line in there about, I'm still left. suffering yeah. from the Spectrox poisoning and yes. its cause. That yes. would have helped immensely. Yes. But just to go as dark as they did in that first episode, okay, I, where, where, do you, where do you go from there when you have your hero acting like this? It becomes the, oh, I've been infected by the tar-laced kryptonite Superman 3 that nobody likes. It's just not a good, it's not a good angle to work for the hero. Is it shocking? Yes. Is it bold? Okay. Is it good storytelling? No. Because no. we don't want to see that. We like our heroes to be a certain way. If you wanted to do that with a villain, or here's a twist, maybe even the companion. What if Perry tried to strangle the doctor? Okay, that's, sure, let's explore that. Cause she's, but she got the cure, so I mean, it doesn't work that way. But I don't know. Just I don't want to see my hero strangling people. Even oh. in the fit of a poisoned madness delirium to illustrate how deadly this stuff is, I don't want to see that. You know what illustrated how deadly this stuff is? The Doctor regenerated. <laughs> no, I'm serious. That's all you needed. It was. It was. It was. That that showed the ultimate act of sacrifice right there. So now I don't have to have him recovering from the poison and having side effects from it in another story that should have got off the ground and really gave me a better idea of what to expect from the Sixth Doctor instead of alienating me as a fan. Yeah. What's strange is that I don't mind his, um, I don't mind his arrogance. No, oh, the, no. The, the, it's very the, much in line with his character. The, the, the bits know. in the wardrobe he when, the, he's, big finish, he's when he's looking in the when he's looking in the mirror, going a noble brow. With it. Yeah, this is an improvement. I think that's funny because all of the doctors comment amongst themselves how much they disliked being the other person, yeah, with yeah. the exception of Time Crash, which is kind of a, a fun little anomaly. But they, they're always at each other's throats. They very rarely truly get along yeah it's, it's, and it's it's as we've said before there's just too much ego there so the fact that he's knocking the previous guy I, that's right in line with the doctor in general let alone the sixth doctor so all of that i don't have a problem with and, 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 and even no. the line at the end i'm the doctor whether you like it or not it sounds harsh and it sounds like kind of a backhand to the fans who are watching this going i don't know how i feel about this and he's saying hey buckle down for the ride because this is what you're going to get but what sells it is that he softens it with a smile. And I, I 100% believe that was Colin Baker trying to soften it, that it wasn't, you know, <laughs> was the producers and everything else. And well, especially they, hearing Colin talk about yeah. what, what, but, what he would have done differently. And then they cut to a reaction shot of Perry 
And she kind of smiles, like, as if to say, okay. And that's when his smile... It's an in-joke between you know, the two of them. Oh, but, yeah. but that's just it. Is it, 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 it. It softens that, and it's not the attack that yeah, everybody no, has I'm made it out to be. And that, for me, is the perfect capstone for that fourth episode. That's why that part of it works. The aliens are great. The feather bird, whatever they are, people, that yeah. was amazing costuming and makeup, and that was well done. Less so hey, on the slugs, but it's a slug. What are you going to do? I, I don't dislike the costume, and I think they do a fine job, but it didn't wow me. It just, oh, it, no, it, it was wow. It looked, see, it, it, looked, it looked simple. It looked easy. It looked like a, a design that, that, while they did a fine job with it and it was good, it, it, it was. It, had it been something that wowed me, I might have been able to gloss over a lot of the problems I have with this. But it was just a, a, you know, some feathers and some paint, and you've got a different look. Uh, they did a fine job with what they had, but it didn't wow me. The slug, I appreciate the idea of a gastropod that has taken over and eaten everything. It destroyed a planet, and that's, that's its M.O. It's just to basically send its eggs or send eggs to different planets so that it can survive and its survival is basically by oblivion in a planet the vegetation on a planet i like that idea I like that concept i like the idea of a gastropod i know it's doctor who and i know we get rubber costumes i wish it had been and i'm, I'm fine with an anthropomorphized slug because that's the idea of the character we're saying it's a gastropod I didn't like the costume that well. It no, seems, it seems that look it started very, good, and yeah, then it kind of went downhill look as the very continues. And I'll tell you, the, the, the mask, the face part of it, I think is the best part of it. Once you get beyond that, it's not very slug-like. Well, I think, to, honestly... To be honest, the first time I saw it, it looked kind of like a turd sitting on a chair. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it did. Okay. It looked like a turd with a face. It was Mr. Hanky up there in a way. So there's another there's another strike for me against it. Is I, I, I think, didn't try hard enough. Well, I think cost. the problem is having him get up and move. Leave him stationary. If he had be if he had been more job of the hut like and stationary and not moving, it probably would have made the costume more effective. The minute that you have to help the guy out of the room because he can't go up downstairs, it's like okay, you've lost me here because. Yeah. This is the height of ridiculousness well, it's kind of again. Like the thing of he's not even moving like a gastropod. He's moving. He's moving legs. like a guy. Yeah, yeah he's shuffling. It, it, it's just, that doesn't work. Again, it's. I mean, you do what you have to. And yeah. I, 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 I have always understood that about Doctor Who. I just think that they could have done a little better. But I, 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 I disagree with you. I think the bird people were were phenomenal. Those, those have been honestly. I, those are some of my favorite aliens in the entire run. I go that high with them. I really, really liked the design of them. Admittedly, yes, I also liked the bird things, whatever they were, the Lakotians in Time of the Ronnie. Mm -hmm. Doctor Who does well with birds. They should <laughs> stick with that. But, you know, I just, I, I really liked them. It, it, bottom line for me, Twindalim is not as achingly, eye-bleedingly no. bad as no, no. fandom has I'll made it I'll even admit to that as well. I think fandom is harder on it than even I am. Yeah, definitely. But I still think it belongs at the bottom. I, I think they could have almost pared it back an episode and improved it. Some of the B-plots of the twins could have been cut out from one episode and tightened the story up so it didn't feel like it was a, such a slow burn. A, it could have still been a slow burn with this regeneration stuff being the focus, 
and then finally switching focus once he kind of stabilizes to this other problem. See, I almost would go the other burn. way. I'd almost rather cut some of the wonky regeneration stuff and have more of the twins yeah, okay. just from the standpoint well, that it would make the twins interesting. And agreed. I think the, the twin part of the story are builds up. Um, oh, what's his, well, the, I think the, that's the, the problem is the, the as, story as, as of the twins are. aren't as strong as what's going on with the Doctor. It's, well, it's there. That, yeah, that's the problem. Is it's well, so unbalanced? They need because to build something else to the story. You, you, you've got the two worst actors in the world in this. Which type apparently of story. this is their only credit. And then you've got the Doctor bouncing off the walls in this part, and so you go from these manic highs and you know attempted well, murder to. Do you think we're in trouble? Yes, I think we might be. Well, that's unfortunate. Should I send a distress signal? Yes, I think you should. Okay. Oh, we got caught. <laughs> it's between the acting and it's the like it or not the regeneration and the choking is riveting stuff it's I, I find that it's we may not like watching it but it's fascinating to watch and it I'll captures you your I'll attention you so regardless not of, in a pleasant way but not it does a pleasant way attention. but it captures your more so than any other plot I think they would have put in there it would have just felt Okay, let's get back to this other issue that we're dealing with of characters we care about, as opposed to people we don't know in general, regardless of how well they were acted. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, I think the twin arc built up Azael, or Azrael, however his name is pronounced, yeah. the, the other Time Lord, and so you're kind of you're, you're led down that path of him being the villain. Until the doctor shows up and reveals that he knows him, and then all of a sudden you're kind of thrown off balance, going, "Whoa, wait a minute!" Yeah. You know, why is the doctor? Well, of course, not that that should be a surprise, because the doctor's had many friends who have gone down the wrong path. <laughs> it's kind of like Kirk in the original Star Trek series. If there's another starship captain in this episode, they're the bad guy. <laughs> Just spoilers—that's the way it works. <laughs> How did you get through the academy? Because apparently you worshipped all the wrong people. But you know, so I think that could have been a bit of a hook. But again, it's not until the final episode that any of that pays out. And I, I, I really. And it's too little too late. I, it's too little too late at that point. I really think the fourth episode of this works. It works well, it works on every level, and it's very, very good television. Zale's death scene is the best part mm, of this. Yeah. It is really that touching. Was it's a good moment, and it works really well. And it, that speaks a lot for the sixth Doctor, too, in the way that it's played off. Yeah. I mean, the way that he reacts to it. I think that 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 shines. If I'm going to look for silver linings in this, that's wonderful. Yeah, unfortunately, it's the capstone of three really mediocre, right. horrible episodes, and so it, it does get elevated to it. But you know, as far as worst of the bunch, I mm-hmm. I would still far and away put Fear Her below this one on any list. Well, I might, I I I, I yeah, I might flip flop. My very last. Hooray! I changed between, that, between <laughs> that and there, but it, it depends on which one I've watched. I put Lazarus. I put Lazarus experiment below this one. See, I, I wouldn't put that one below it. I'd probably put Evolution of the Daleks below this one. You're you're mentioning a lot of the ones that are low on my list, but so I mean, it, like you said, this one it's you know at, at at best it's a mediocre story and it's kind of a middle of the road one. It's certainly not the worst that everybody's made it out to be, and I think I think that's very very unjustified. And, 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 it, and it probably is also the low point of his run, but he's also not himself through most of the episode either, so I can kind of forgive that. With the exception of the 11th hour, name one regeneration episode that is the high well, point of true. a Doctor's it's, episode. It's, I mean, it's taken him 11 Doctors to get it right in that sense. And I don't think we're going to get it again in 12. I, from I every spearhead's up there. 
It's probably not his best, but it's well, really high. It is high. I'll give you that. And he's incapacitated for the whole first part of the But there, there's also, I mean, just based on kind of the hints that Moffat's been dropping, I kind of suspect that we may see something similar That's what in I this was thinking, too. With Capaldi's first one. Yeah. Now, I, don't, I, I think Moffat will look at it as maybe his chance to do this story and... In, in his mind, the way it should have been done, that if you're going to show the doctor off balance, this is how you do it. Yeah. Because I know Moffat is not a fan of, of this era at all. I know that Russell T. Davies has publicly said that Twin Dilemma is the beginning of the end of Doctor Who for him, that he just can't stomach the, the way these stories are told. And as we've said many times, it's the storytelling that is what really falls down. It's not the production, it's not the actors, it's the storytelling. And so we're grateful. Would I have a different opinion of this? Without having the big finish, and oh, we, we, we have now completed See, Colin Baker's television. That, that's run. that's yeah. why this I'm the also, only one that has come to this from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. of this, and have seen, and I had even seen all of Colin's stories before I started listening to Big Finish. So I already had the, I've already had separated the TV from the audio, and I, the audio certainly makes me appreciate a lot of the television more that I've been listening to the audio. This is one I came from from the beginning. This yeah. is the first one I saw, and and quite frankly, this was I saw this and was turned off by it. And but another strike against it was this was also a time where I was entering high school, and girls and sports yeah. and friends and things like that were more of my attention, were drawing my attention away from Doctor Who. Now, what kept me going was right after this was Attack of the Cybermen, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And then Vengeance of Veros, which I think is still his strongest story and one of my favorites, which I would rank in probably my top 10 or 15. <laughs> we just keep throwing <laughs> ranks out. I, I keep throwing ranks out all the time. But Vengeance of Veros is a very strong story. Vengeance of Veros, sadly, was the last thing I saw before they went back and started running Tom Baker stuff. Mm-hmm. So we didn't get a lot of six at that time. And in fact, I didn't see a lot of six until I went back and finally re- started revisiting it back in the late, or early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s. See, I think that's the that's why this one isn't as bad for me is because it wasn't my first introduction to the Sixth Doctor. I know what the character is like, and this is him getting there. So the fact that this is my last Six Doctor story, last Colin Baker televised, helps it, I think. I'll agree with that. I mean, I can totally see, and, and honestly, going back and watching it, I'm fairly certain that I did see this, or at least parts of it, once upon a time. And I think I was with you, Glenn. I think that it turned me off, and I turned it off. I, I could completely understand coming to it off of all of the Fifth Doctor's era. And all everything that came before, and caves, and being turned off by the story, yeah. I, I I understand coming from that mindset. Because I had seen enough of the fifth, because that was another one I, I did. I never saw the fifth Doctor in his entire run, but mm-hmm. I, I saw enough of his Doctor. Um, but like I said, uh, I had read the book probably more than once in an attempt to because I devoured all of the novelizations repeatedly. They were short <laughs> reads, and it was just like, yeah, more of this. Um, and so, having had that experience with it, what I remembered from it very much, I remembered from the book. And what I remember I liked about the book was definitely there and on screen. But I'm not sure that I'd ever actually seen all of the story before last night, too. So I think that's kind of colored my perceptions with it as well. Um, that, you know, like Keith, I've had that other exposure to the Sixth Doctor. If this was the first one right out of the gate, you'd be like, wow. 
are we in trouble? Yeah. So, colored perceptions all the way around, but. Middle of the pack. It won't. <laughs> it won't leave the bottom of the pack. Again, know who is bad who. Know who is bad who. Even the bad who is not bad who. No, really Let's move on to some really good who. Something borrowed. A wedding on the planet Coturia turns out to be a far more dangerous proposition than the Sixth Doctor and Perry ever expected. It marks the return of a formidable old foe whose genius matches the Doctor's. Can the Doctor outwit his villain, save Perry, and stop the wedding in time? Dun, dun, dun! This was a good episode. This was really good. Or a good story, in this case. (laughs) This would have made a good episode. I don't know if it would have made a good episode. Because I it, think it would have made a good episode. What works well for the story is that it is from all from Perry's perspective. That It's all from her point of view. And it took a little bit for me to get Thank used you. to that idea. That's one of its bonuses. So. It is. It is. Yeah. And um, the author does a good job capturing her and the Sixth Doctor really well. And having the Ronnie back is just an added delight. <laughs> Because I was enjoying the story just fine up until that point. And then I was like, oh, this just got awesome. (laughs) And that's really what improves the entire thing. I think what I really like about it is the fact that I I would prefer to see more Sixth Doctor and the Ronnie stuff. Because I really think that they play off each other perfectly. I think they're really made. That's that's the the villain made for the Sixth Doctor. I mean, it's a... I thought Sylvester did a fine job... You know, the Seventh Doctor bouncing off of her in, in Time of the Ronnie, but just that's the best thing about Mark of the Ronnie is just the interaction between her and, and Colin. And I think it carries over in this book um, that it's very, very similar in that that means that the the the, um, the way they just contrast each mm-hmm. other is, is so nice. Did, did anyone else get the impression that this was post- Time in the Ronnie for the yes, Ronnie? it is, because okay. Perry recognizes her. No, Time of the Ronnie. Oh, Time? No, this is pre- I got the impression no, that... No, this is... Because she makes no, the line no. about regeneration as no, if no, he's no. changed. Well, she wasn't sure, because she hadn't seen him yet. She was asking Perry well, that, that's if he what, still looked That's the what same. I wondered if... Yeah, she was asking Perry if he still looked the same. Okay. Now, here's the reason why you can pin it down. Because the pterodactyls and the lizard men that she created... She basically used, remember, the, uh, the yeah. Sixth Doctor had set the T-Rex loose. they even make reference to that yeah. in the story. Yeah, and so that's what she used. She, and he says that he turned, she turned that into, into. A, a bonus or a benefit for her. So that's yeah. why, yeah, that's why she's using okay. those in this sense. Because he had pretty much unleashed her her um, miniaturized, or, or not miniaturized, uh, embryonic uh, menagerie. Yeah. Well, it wasn't well, just the T-Rex, there were other, other things in there, obviously, yeah. but she, yeah, the T-Rex is what we see. So it's more of foreshadowing to Time of the Doctor, yes. or Time of the Ronnie. Yeah. I, I think that's very much where it falls, is, is smack dab in between them, because she even makes the comment at the one point about maybe I'll cause your regeneration next time, or you should look over your shoulder, which is ironic. Which is a, you know, yeah, which is, it is a nod happened. to the fact that, yeah, that's how um, he... Well, that's how we presume it was that the regeneration <laughs> happened because it happened before we cut to. Yeah, we wouldn't know. I, I liked this story very much. I was a little uncertain initially about it being a first person. Yeah. And I, I, I it was like, well, is this Perry or is this a, a new companion that we're getting for purposes of the book? 
and then it was Perry. And so I was kind of like, oh, well, okay, this will be a little different. But she wrote Perry as if it were Perry, yeah, which worked. Agree. And I so that agree. that's kind of what made it, okay, yeah, I'm all right with this. And then um, as the story went on, I, I will be honest, I kind of suspected the Ronnie as soon as they kind of, when the doctor was talking about the pterodactyls mm-hmm. and said, I've seen some lights before, I went, I think I might he know. Makes, <laughs> he makes these... He drops a lot more hints, and I don't yeah. remember what they were. But he dropped. He makes these little comments that just really kind of rev me up to be. I bet this is going to be the Ronnie. Yeah, I think. But well, I was okay with it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, me too. I was yeah, very excited too. about me it, too. and it was it was it was extremely well done in the way that you know she came in and her rationale. I like the sci-fi plot of this, you know, metamorphosis and that her whole reasoning. Yeah. This is the fun part of this for me is mm-hmm. that for everything we got in Mark of the Ronnie about her rah, 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 with the doctor, they're almost like an old married couple. It almost makes you wonder at one point in time if they yeah, did yeah, hook yeah. up <laughs> and he realized, wow, this was a huge mistake. You're not who they I thought sort, you They were. sort of allude to that in something else, and I thought it was Mark of the Ronnie, that they give the impression that like maybe at one time on Gallifrey they were a lot closer and dated, and then just it didn't work out yeah. or something. Or maybe it was even in this. I can't remember. Somewhere made me think that I wonder if they were an item at one time. <laughs> I really wonder. Yeah. Because nobody fights this way except married couples. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is where, you know, you know this. This is where this is this is where it's at. This is like, yeah, these guys and you know, or well actually, you know who divides You know better than me. <laughs> you know you know who fights this way is divorce couples. <laughs> so who fights this way. <laughs> but so <laughs> for her all of her Gritching at him in Mark of the Ronnie about his appearance, and then she, her whole goal here, the whole shebang, she's been doing all this research and caught up in this thing, is to be able to control her own regeneration. And it's like not even like for immortality purposes, not even to keep the cycle going, just to be able to control it and yeah. decide what she wants to be. Yeah. It was like you are such a vain, shallow <laughs> woman. And I loved it because it because goes, obviously she hasn't anytime soon, yeah, or recently, yeah. So I, it just I thought that was such a fun little contrast for you know this particular story to be set in a Sixth Doctor era that they just it just worked so well for that. Well, the Ronnie's always also been sort of on the just beneath the idea of she's doing things for good in her mind in her warped mind. She's always she always thinks she's doing things for good, the benefit of somebody yes. else. Yeah. And in this one it really does come down on the fact that you could disguise as much as, you know, wouldn't you like to be able to control your generations and we can we could, you know, we could she painted a picture of it's it's a discovery for time lords. But when it ultimately comes down to it, it is conveyed in the sense that it's just her vanity. It's just her vanity. <laughs> <laughs> and I liked that aspect of it as well. Um I th- the other thing that I think this did right, that I complained about with the fifth Doctor novel that we or a novella that we read, was this one sets that romance in the background where we have the the hand I, I call her a handmaiden, but she, I don't think she was even really handmaiden. The uh, the girl that She's is helping, servant. yeah, the girl yeah. that is helping Perry and introducing and getting her ready. Weera. yeah, Weera. she. Has a love for this guy, but she understands. She's like, you know, I, he, he's unavailable. He's unattainable to me because he already, he's already in love with her. And I love the fact that 
unlike leaving the last story ambiguous to, well, do they actually ever get together? Because they were the focus of the story, I thought that was a terrible way to end that story and, and not give me a little bit more. This one, because we didn't have a relationship going on at all, leaves you with that same, do they get together? But it works in this sense because they're not the focus of, of a relationship in yeah. this one. It's a, hey, there's still a chance in, for her and there's something for him to move on to as well. So it worked in this sense. And I really enjoyed the way that, that she ended the story that way. I would agree. Um, uh, Michelle, what's her name? Uh, Rochelle. Rochelle. Rochelle Mead. It Mead. sounds like it should be Michelle Reed. <laughs> Rochelle <laughs> Mead actually wrote the Vampire Diaries, yeah. which is uh, Academy. Re- Academy, which is a really yeah. yeah let's get That's that a wrong. completely different. Yeah, <laughs> Vampire Academy, which is a really really popular young adult series right now. So. And I think having her voice in this helps helped make Perry work yeah. because not only is she a woman writing for a female character. She's also an American writing for an American female character yeah. on a British show. So it helps make Perry feel more American yeah. than anything that's ever come before, I think. Yeah. And so I think her voice was perfect choice for this story. If I have a complaint, I, I, I was I think maybe it was just that first chapter because it was again, I wasn't sold on the first person narrative yet. Mainly just because it was different from what we Used to, what we've used yeah, to that's so what I liked about it. I appreciated it that it they shook things up. It took up me a bit to get used to it, but I did like it. But then the fact that the uh, the, the the father's name was Everest, it's like, oh, come on, really? We're going to be lazy with our name picking, and you're you're in Vegas, and you're going to call the guy a derivative of Elvis. Yeah, uh, I think I see where this is going. But then she didn't go there with no. it, and in fact, Elvis showed up later as, <laughs> the, as the as officiant. The, uh, yeah, officiant, which. Which I've actually the, been the, to an, a wedding <laughs> officiated by Elvis, but the setting was interesting. I thought too. It was kind of. I, I think I like this better than the Ninth Doctor's idea, from the audio we listened to. Uh-huh. Of uh-huh. it's they've extrapolated it and built on to it as opposed to just making a whole new, brand new Vegas. Yeah, it, w- it was really clever. Well, it, it had a lot of Earth World to it too, as well. In the fact that I, they, I got the impression it wasn't quite. Like everything was a little more garish and different. Well, and it, yeah, was, every, it was, was like they, they hadn't quite grasped to eleven. Right, they hadn't quite grasped the the Vegas idea, with the exception of the marriages, which I thought was <laughs> right. They got the marriage part of it right. Well, there was mention of them walking through the casino. Yeah, so they had the gambling too. Well, no, no, it's 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 all there. But I get I get the impression that. I don't know why I got the impression that the, that the Vegas was just slightly off oh, from yeah. what real Vegas was. Just that it was just like, even though there was gambling, even though there was neon, even though the, the, the doctor almost gives an impression as they don't quite have the Vegas thing right. But the marriage thing they've done right. In fact, they've done better than Vegas yeah. because it isn't people that just goes there and it's it's not such a flippant affair for somebody to get married in Vegas. It's a, or it is, but it's here a it's a here. big yeah. deal and it's a real love thing and it's a ceremony and it's so I thought that was cool. Yeah. I would agree. Um there were so many little touches that um I thought were were, were very, very cool when uh she disappears into her TARDIS and <laughs> Doctor Size, my kingdom for a chameleon circuit. It's like we're, <laughs> we're still on that horse. Yeah. You know Which was kinda nice because there was also in Twin Dilemma the nice little scene I thought of 
him kind of bemoaning the fact that his chameleon mind's supposed to do that. <laughs> no, no, in Twin Dilemma, where he's yeah. kind of patting the. Isn't that where he's? Oh, I no, think it was this. It was this. It's yeah. mind's supposed but, to. But do that, that was like he he. I can't remember the line exactly, but it was kind of like a. Oh, it's so unfortunate that you're stuck in this shape. Yeah, that's right. Which he which passed, helps build to the idea in Attack of the Cybermen that he's able to switch it. Yeah, which is kind of neat. And then this just builds on top and of he that. Switches and it and it's worse. Well, yeah. <laughs> he fixes it and it works. Yeah, that's right. And and there was a Sonic Lance reference too. Yep. From Attack. So. Yep. And a whopping forty-one pages. So more so. <laughs> we we get way more than we have. Although I, I will admit, I got to the end and I was a little thrown because the the, the little uh, the little puffin. I totally thought it was Frobisher. I, I don't know why. I just it's I, on all the books. I know. But I got, it's the end of the Sixth Doctor. Oh, it's and a I flipped Frobisher. There's a Frobisher. Oh, oh wait. <laughs> we got to do some Frobisher soon. I'm getting excited about that. All right. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about about this story? We're talking about puffin penguins, so no. <laughs> Sean, we got it coming up later on the schedule. Well, we just posted a brief update, which I think we mentioned all of it. Um, we did? Oh. Yes, we did. Uh, I think we mentioned all of it uh, on last week's oh, show. Oh, we did, yes. Uh, yes, that, yes. Uh, next week for Friday Night Who, we're doing uh, the first three parts of the... What's the name of it? Enemy of the World. Enemy of the World, thank you. Patrick Troughton, the recently recovered other one, because <laughs> we've done Web of Fear. And uh, so we'll do parts one, two, and three of that. Uh, but since we won't finish the story, our show next week will be listening to the next two Paul McGann Big Finish audios. Our next show will be reviewing. <laughs> we'll be reviewing, not listening. <laughs> make for a really long show. A really long show. Well, well, I don't boring know. To <laughs> if we just listen to it, it'd be about as long as our normal shows. I think they're all about. They're both about an hour. Oh, really? Oh, they're a little more. No, 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 they're two yeah. hours. They're two hours ones, aren't they? They're yeah, well, they are two hours. hours. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, and the reason I'm getting confused here now is because. My the one that I have of uh, Memory Lane has a lot of trailers at the end of it, and I thought I got a lot lots to go. It was unlike the, oh, the last the one, one, Jubilee, that we did, <laughs> where I we, I kept thinking it was going to wrap up, and it was, there was a lot of episodes. I go, where are they going to go from now? There, this was <laughs> it was about to wrap up, and I'm like, how is there so much more episode to go on my timer? And then I realized it was all all ads. Sorry. Um, so yes, we will be reviewing those two episodes. Uh, I don't remember the episode name, uh, numbers off the top of that, but they're both mainline, and it's um, uh, what was the something inside? Something inside. inside. We just did something borrowed, so it's confusing. Yeah. Something, something inside, inside and memory lane. Memory lane, memory lane. Uh, for that, and then the following week we will finish up with Enemy of the World parts four through six for Friday Night Who, and then we will spend a whole episode talking about the wondrous nature of that recovery and how good the episode is or how bad the episode is because I still haven't watched it. Enemy of the World. Yeah. Enemy of the World. Uh, and after that is British Fest and we're still pinning down the fine de- uh, fine-tuning the details of that and we'll let you know as soon as we get something on that. And I expect, I, I've got, I've actually At the very least, there'll be a review that week. The review that yeah, week, yeah. Um, and I, I expect to a have... talk about <laughs> the event. <laughs> a reminiscing. Yeah. <laughs> reminiscing of the Dallas. Um... <laughs> Uh, I expect to have the schedule posted up through the end of July as soon as we get that details pointed out. So you'll all be in the know at that Since point. We know we're safe up until the We know we're first. safe up until, <laughs> well, maybe, up until the week before the August. end of July. It said August. I know. Yeah. I know. But I, but depending on when in August depends on where I set yeah. my next. I don't want to do a two-parter and wind up oh, a week oh, behind. Yeah, no, no, that makes sense. I know I'm safe up to the week before the end of July. Yes. <laughs> right. 
depending on where it starts in August. So hopefully we'll, by then we'll know. So um, that is that. All right. Very cool. Yeah. I've also, I'm going to do a shameless plug for myself um, uh, because people asked about it after I had kind of let the cat out of the bag that I, I wrote this um, archaeology story for class that wound up featuring <laughs> the doctor. And people were kind of like, dude, are you going to post that on the website? So, uh, yes, it's it's going up now. Oh, I thought you were going to tell oh. us you're going to start writing on your blog again. Who has time for that? <laughs> <laughs> you do now that you're out of school. Uh, I, I, started, start I started updating mine again. So. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, well, good. it's been reviews. But, uh, of stuff I should, that I've already reviewed on Goodreads. Well, since, since, since I've seen it's a lot updating. of movies of late. That's the thing. is Now that I'm not in school and I'm actually getting to watch some movies, I should, I should post some reviews, yeah. I guess. But... Uh, so yeah, the, uh, the, the 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 it's now it's not complete because I kind of want to know what how ridiculous it is before I go any further with it. But I scored a perfect score Ooh, good. on this story for archaeology nice. class. So Doctor Wood obviously thought it was something, um, but I'll, I'll I'll let you guys. Uh, determine that and i don't know maybe i'll attach a poll to it so you can tell me whether or not i should cont- I, i'm sure everybody would give it a resigning yeah of course i want to know how it ends now but you know so uh it'll be up on the website as well any other housekeeping don't I forget do, about flicks with friends uh, and i do want to mention one more thing please stay tuned after the uh post credit i keep calling credits we don't really do credits but after the uh the closing song the closing theme and the uh legal disclaimer which will be um, <laughs> too late to use tragedy now. Uh, the legal disclaimer, right after that, it will be another segment from uh, Adventures in Time and Space. Uh, Dr. Phil has sent in a uh, segment this week dealing with the twin dilemma. So be sure to stick around and listen to that. If that's gonna and do we it, thank Dr. Phil as yes, always. Thank you yes. very much. If that's going to do it for this week, until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Well, Harry, what do you think? It's terrible. Oh, never mind about the clothes. They're easily changed. What about me? I meant you. Sorry, afraid I don't understand. Well, neither do I. I mean, people don't change like that. I mean... Physically, just in a flash. I'm not people, Perry. I happen to be me. But why? Natural metamorphosis. Form of rebirth. I call it a renewal. And this time, positive triumph. I can sense it in every fibre of my being. Have you the faintest idea what you look like? My outward appearance is of no importance whatsoever. Well, it is to me. I have to live with it. Here. Look at yourself. Very well, if you insist. What do you see? A noble brow. Clear gaze. At least it will be, given a few hours sleep. A firm mouth. A face beaming with a vast intelligence. A dear child, what on earth are you complaining about? It's the most extraordinary improvement. On what? My last incarnation. I was never happy with that one. Why ever not? It had a sort of feckless charm, which simply wasn't me. What absolute rubbish! You were almost young. I really liked you, and you were sweet. Sweet? It feet? Sweet? 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 That says it all. 
Oh, but this has been a timely change. No change. No rhyme. No time. No, no place for space. Nothing. Nothing but the, the grinding engines of the universe. The crushing boredom of eternity. <laughs> Dr. Phil again with another installment of Adventures in Time, Space, and Music. In this segment, we'll be looking at the music of Malcolm Clark studying his work on Doctor Who serial 6S, story 136, The Twin Dilemma, a four-part story which originally aired between the 22nd of March and the 30th of March, 1984, on BBC One. Malcolm Clark, born in 1943 and having passed away in 2003, was a member of the BBC Radiophonic Workshop from 1969 to 1994. Clark's rather controversial opinion upon his arrival at the workshop was that radiophonic music should be, in his words, fine art, a view not necessarily shared by his fellow composers and special sound designers. Outside of his work on Doctor Who, his most acclaimed work was the 1976 radio piece, August 4, 2026, based on a short story by Ray Bradbury. on Doctor Who, his output includes the brilliant and groundbreaking, albeit a controversial score, to the Sea Devils in 1972. He would not return to the show until the 1980s, composing scores to the Peter Davison serials Earthshock, Enlightenment, and Resurrection of the Daleks, as well as the Colin Baker stories The Twin Dilemma, Attack of the Cybermen, and Terror of the Vervoids. with some of the most pleasant and ambiguous musical textures composed by Malcolm Clark, his score to the Twin Dilemma is as creative, timbrely speaking, as the Sea Devils, but is tempered and less taking center stage as the Sea Devils or even Earthshock scores do, probably due to the often brooding deep sounds and round clarinet synthesizer sounds he employs here. It is a genuine pity that if one thing in the Twin Dilemma can be counted as a success, it is definitely Clark's score. There is some great material in the score, and the kind of pull between the sinister to the playful to the outright ridiculous is well played in Clark's score here, as well as so perfectly integrated with Dick Mill's special sound design as well. Richly atmospheric, Clark's score has one thing in common with Roger Lim's score to Androzani that preceded it. Both are not particularly thematic. Unlike Lim's score, though, Clark avoids the repetitive percussive elements that Lim uses in favor of a great variety of colors, ranging from chimes to deep sustained bass sounds to harpsichord-like punctuation and other percussive timbres. 
This might edge the score towards the anarchic, but I was surprised by how enjoyable, creative, and listenable the twin dilemma is. But this gives away one of my tastes in art music, as I do tend to enjoy music that challenges the listener. What a great joy to get to examine this score after all these years. While few fans will ever hail the twin dilemma as a great example of Doctor Who, Malcolm Clark's ethereal score is one of my favorites to be sure, from one of the most underrated composers in Who history, that must be said. believe this, but I have fully stabilized. Then I suggest you take a crash course in manners. You seem to forget, Perry. I'm not only from another culture, but another planet. I am, in your terms, an alien. I'm therefore bound to have different values and customs. Your former self was polite enough. At such a cost, I was on the verge of becoming neurotic. We all have to repress our feelings from time to time. I suggest you get back into the habit. And I would suggest, Perry, that you wait a little before criticizing my new persona. You may well find it isn't quite as disagreeable as you think. Well, I hope so. Whatever else happens, I am the Doctor, whether you like it or not. <laughs> 